0: hello and welcome to splatter chatter where october never dies the home of all things horror haunted and halloweeny my name is mr craggers and i'm one of your hosts it is and my name is miss melmoy and i am
1: your other host
0: she sure is and tonight we are bringing to you episode 108 in which we are joined by good friend of the show and splatter chatter tumbler maven Miss Colleen
2: hello I feel like I need to have that uh just uh, a surprise bitch thought you saw the last of me just every time I show up
1: <laughs> I was thinking because you this is back to back right because we did the, um, the my Bloody Valentine there's,
2: there's one, one in between
1: oh there's March we did what
2: the fuck did we do in March scream two
0: scream two <laughs> i'm all over the place guys all over the place but there's a reason for that <laughs> <laughs> um That's yeah this is miss colleen's mm-hmm. i just checked right before recording this is her fourth appearance on the show so she is creeping up on matt shore she wants that five timers club whatever we said we we'll were get making.
1: her the jacket the snl jacket
2: <laughs> i am less interesting than matt shore but um, here i, did- I am <laughs>
1: We can have you both on, and then you can just, we can decide who's more interesting. We'll throw it out to the people.
2: I mean, I didn't make, was it like Jesus Zombie Hunter or whatever? I was telling
1: Charlotte about this over the weekend. I don't know how it came up, but I was like, there's a story. I don't think it's in the Bible. I think it's like a tertiary story. (laughs) I'm unclear on that about Jesus going to hell for the, because I was going, this started because I was like,
2: that's the Catholic, like what he did. The the harrowing of hell yeah
1: but this started because i was like trying to do the math where i was like i don't think it's three days i think it's one full day it's friday night one full day and then by dawn on sunday he's gone so it's not three days so it it started this way and um then Became well, like, oh yeah, and during that time he was doing this sick, awesome thing that nobody ever talks about. <laughs> he
2: became the doom guy for like forty-eight hours yeah. and then came back.
0: Uh, to be fair, I think the language is mostly on the third day. Not that it was yes. not that he was dead for three days. I guess.
1: I whatever. I mean, it is what it is. They're not gonna you know what's gonna change it now. Um But um I was explaining that there's a sick ass thing and I was like, and there's a comic book about it where Jesus is buff and has a sword and fights demons and then we were like, Does he fight all the demons? Like like is he like physically fighting like all the like he comes across demons and fights them or he just goes down and fights the devil? And I was like, We have to read the comic book.
0: You get you're gonna yeah, you're gonna have to read Matt Shore's comics to find out. Yeah.
3: It's and even though she
0: sure. has not written about a demon-slaying version of Jesus, she's still plenty That we know of. <laughs> that we know of. And there's a very good reason we brought her on this episode, because she's joining us as we head over to the Collingwood Psychiatric Hospital to see if we can find proof of the paranormal alongside our good buddy Lance Preston and his crew of ghost hunters- that's right, folks. We are discussing grave encounters. Let's have some grave encounters. Grave encounters.
2: We just have to zoom in on Craig's face a little bit. Yeah, just really zoom in and hold
0: and, hold and we'll hold. say, "Okay, I think we got it." But let's try. I think one. we got it. Let's do Four. one more. <laughs> what a silly, incredible movie. But before we get into that silly, incredible movie, let's do a read, watch, listen, check-in with some horror headlines. Um, I know I personally have been getting into a lot since we last recorded. I think we should start things off with the big one. Since we last recorded, the three of us all saw Scream 6. Oh, Yeah.
1: Seven, six, seven. Scream 7 was trending on Twitter the other day. So I was like, oh, yeah, it's Scream 7, right? No, it was just people talking about the possibility of Scream 7. Yes, we saw Scream 6. We did. Thoughts? Enjoy.
2: I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah. I didn't see Scream scream five so like i didn't have some of the back history on
1: you
0: the look characters at the billy doing here no, I, was trying to, I was trying to give miss colleen like the hard and fast cliff notes in the movie theater like as we were buying snacks before we i won- remember
1: hearing you like because i was waiting for my impossible nuggies and i look over and like you just have the serious look on your face and you're like okay now it's scream four <laughs>
2: well i've seen one through four Right, it was. Didn't see
0: five, um, five. and I was like, I'll go see six. It's five cream. Um, and having not seen five cream, did you still felt like you enjoyed six? Right,
2: I did. I feel like I didn't have some of the like emotional hits because we've been with those. You guys were with those characters for two movies, but I still really enjoyed it. I think it still had the humor of the original movies, which I really liked on with the like tense sequences. Like I was telling Craig after we were done during the subway scene, which was beautifully shot. Oh, I'm sitting there just playing with my necklace. I'm sure all Melher was I saw
0: Colleen going like this <laughs> in the corner of my eye. Which is already adding to like the horrendously tense, like it's dark then it's light and like ding dong. Yeah. yeah. Get, so Get your ghost face ass away from me, ghost face. <laughs> She was right. Yeah, I really like six. Um, um more than five. Yeah. Sure.
1: yeah, no, it was a great balance of being like brutal and like legitimately scary for the first time in a while. I feel like um it's been a while since screams have like truly like leaned into the fact that like there are times it can be really scary. Um so that's good. And then balancing that with like the levity of like the fact that it is also still like you know, there's a comedy element and these people are like acting as though like, oh yeah, we're in a horror movie and we're gonna, you know, behave goofily, but also terrible things are happening and it's emotional. And, um, I would say my favorite part continues to be when Gail put Ghostface on hold.
0: That is really good.
1: (laughs) No one's thought to do that, I guess. Um, but, um, yeah, I liked it a lot. And I liked, I mean, I've thought about it a lot since we saw it, and it feels very. I mean, I don't know what they planned originally when they originally wanted Neve Campbell to be in it, Mm -hmm. but um, it feels like they were sort of playing off the template of you know Scream Two, where it's like, okay, the killer in this one is a parent of the killer in the first one, and spoiler
3: alert.
1: Yeah, sorry everyone. Um, They knew we'll put it at the beginning of the. There's a lot of descriptions.
3: (laughs) <laughs> um between
1: you know, two. yeah i mr cragers and i did clock two we clocked a number of killers early but mr cragers also clocked the exact number of killers they would be um which was cool so
2: i wonder if sydney would have shown up with kirby and then like left or like got sidelined for some reason
1: my They were planning, like, a bigger role for her in this movie. it makes me worried that she would have been the killer.
0: (laughs) Well, I think it was meant to be the inverse. Like, I think her role was supposed to be relatively small in Six, Mm -hmm. but they they wanted a really big role for her in Seven.
1: Yeah, so yeah, maybe it is possible she would have come in instead of Kirby or with Kirby or something. Uh, Apparently... well, I was going to say, apparently they had to get a hold of Hayden Pentier because she did not have an agent and she had like been taking a break from acting. So they had to find somebody who had like her personal phone number yeah. and call her and be like, Hey, do you want to do and Apparently she was like, yeah, if you'd called me for the other one, I would have been in that too. <laughs> <laughs> and then like we didn't have you your number her. Hayden. <laughs> yeah. So now they do and she's back, which is fun. Um, yeah.
0: I hope she I hope she comes back for seven. Mm -hmm. I hope there is a seven. Obviously, it's not officially announced, but it did really
1: I was gonna say it made a ton of money.
0: Yeah. Um and I think it would be a nice way to sort of like cap off the second trilogy. Mm -hmm. Basically, we have like four as like this weird like in-between one for the series.
1: Just, Just hanging out. Just hanging out. I do think too it was nice the way that they um sort of like handled the like the fact that like the deaths in the first one had like real emotional consequences in a way that um you know sometimes I feel you know, like for example, like when nobody talks about Tatum and we're all like where's you know, why is no one talking about Tatum? And it's like kind of a joke, but like, you know. That sort of thing. But in this one, it's like, yeah, like part a big chunk of like the emotional arc for characters is like processing what happened in five and um you know having real time reactions to what's happening now and that sort of thing.
0: Well, and everything like with the shrine and like mm-hmm. these moments of reflection on everything that has happened in the rest of the franchise and seeing the survivor characters processing that was and the
2: worst like, psychiatrist in the world.
1: <laughs> oh yeah that guy kind of sucked. although so there was a pretty beautiful. bad therapist in this week's episode of yellow dragons so
0: i'm gonna give him a run for his money yeah i haven't started watching the second season of yellow jackets i was waiting for a couple episodes to build up so i could kind of yeah, it was it's, do pretty, a it's pretty good um, but you, i think if you there's can imagine like now so yes i think the fourth episode just came out today time to start watching.
1: Um she's getting wild out there. Yeah man. In the in the woods. <laughs> um but yeah, that's the big horror headline. I think besides that I haven't obviously I finished I finished The Last of Us whenever that was. That might have actually been before now. Um which was good. And then watching Yellow Jackets. Um yeah, that might be it, until I watch Cocaine Bear this week on Peacock.
2: The uh, Resident Evil 4 remake came out, so I've been uh, watching playthroughs of, of that. It's more action than horror, than like, 2 is more horror than action, even though it's very action-packed. But 4 is definitely more of an action game, but it's still one of my favorites, and the graphics are amazing, and it's a lot of fun, so.
3: Awesome.
0: Yeah, I've I've seen like a couple of things here and there that are pretty positive about that. Um, I feel like I have a lot because after the Oscars, mm-hmm. I was kind of like, "All right, I can you went catch
1: back to everything you missed."
0: <laughs> Four things. So, like, I watched *Skin finally, and I watched *Meg*, *Megan*, oh. okay. Megan. And *Megan*, m, m- 3 Again. <laughs> yeah. I'm three again, um, which was fun, you know? Yeah, I thought it was a blast. Like, good time, definitely. Uh, The controversial marink, I appreciated. I feel like a lot mm-hmm. of technicals perspective, mm-hmm. but I was also sort of like, all right, are we done? Yeah. Um, So like, I respect it, but I don't know that I enjoy it if that makes yeah. sense. That's kind of where I landed, was like, I get what you're doing, I appreciate
1: the effectiveness of it, but yes. at a certain point it gets a little overindulgent.
0: Yeah, I was just kind of like, I I, I, don't, I get the aesthetic, I know what we're going for here, but I, it it was long, and it's a short movie, so that's a problem to me.
3: Yeah.
0: Um what else? Let's see. I finished the final season of Servant on Apple TV. It went out just as weird as it went in. <laughs> oh,
1: I guess I did watch Cabin Woods finally. That made me think of that because m Night,
0: M-Dog? Oh, you watched, no. yeah, Knock at the Cabin. Yeah, Knock at the Cabin. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, what were your thoughts? We kind of talked about this briefly, but.
1: Yeah. Um very different tone from the book Mm -hmm. different takeaway message um Dave Bautista was fantastic in it um the acting overall was actually pretty good um but I know he's trying to get into more serious roles so but um yeah I mean it um it was beautifully shot and I think again like it goes back to like M. Night Shyamalan is an amazing director but not the most fantastic writer. Cause I know that he also did rewrites on the script um, when he
0: got it. Yeah. I think he's just like, I think with him, he's just, he's like an earnest writer. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people don't want that in a lot of mm-hmm. modern storytelling. And so mm-hmm. his writing can feel awkward. Yeah. Yeah. So there was some stuff that was very like,
1: this is on the nose, or this is like you know, like yeah, like earnestness, like people giving speeches about certain things and very um, not subtle lines and and that sort of thing. But it's beautifully shot, I thought.
3: Gorgeous. Um,
1: he also found a way to make it Philadelphia. By just Always moving awesome. it to, <laughs> to outside Philadelphia. <laughs> Always a Philly connection.
0: Yeah. So anyway, that was what I knew. I watched something that was it, except for uh. The last Airbender. Think like, he couldn't. Do I can it.
1: never he forgive him. He filmed it. He filmed it in Philadelphia and read right. it. Right. That's but the game. In,
0: in, in movie, I don't think there's. A yeah.
1: Catch. No. You can't really make it work. But um, he did film it in Philadelphia and around Philadelphia.
0: That is such a bad movie.
1: It is such a bad movie for such an amazing TV
0: show. Anyway, continue with your horror headlines. <laughs> Um, No, that was a good one. Um, I guess speaking of like book related things, I had a couple. I finished Fairy Tale by The King. Good stuff, good stuff. Um, You could tell that it was his pandemic novel um, Mm -hmm. because everything, you know, works out super great in the end. Um, And it's not quite as dark as traditionally goes but it was fun i also read grady hendrix's latest novel how to sell a haunted house Mm. oh which was very creepy um and well done it
2: i'm so like shy with grady hendrix now after the final girl
0: support club yeah so it's weird for me right i really love my best friend's exorcism that was very good wasn't crazy about Final Girl support group. And then this kind of like brought me back. So it's like two for one for me now. So, so I, I just, just picked, read...
2: I just picked the one that <laughs> wasn't stellar.
0: <laughs> Has anyone read Horror Storm? I have
2: that's
1: really fun.
0: Yeah. Um,
2: I don't know about the creepy factor, but I know just
0: like the way that the book's printed and everything. Yeah, because really it looks fun. like an IKEA catalog. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I'm like, okay, I'm I'm inclined to go try the other ones now, Horror Store. And um, I never pronounced the title right, but The Southern Vampires.
1: Oh, The Southern... Guide to Williams, Slaying Vampires. Yeah. Guide to
0: Slaying Vampires. Yeah. And those other ones. So I was happy to sort of be back on his train. Um, I also read I Am Not Your Final Girl, the poetry collection that Miss Mill yeah. got. Mm-hmm.
3: Um,
0: such a lovely idea. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wonderful little poems in there so cute yeah Yeah. and sorry I'm almost done (laughs) television wise I watched the Amazon Prime show Swarm I've heard good stuff about that really good really creepy um I had heard that it was like kind of disturbing and I didn't look too much into it and I had that amazing moment in the first episode where things like take that turn where i was that's like, like what the, the
1: fuck? it's like a fandom like that's like the it's like a a
0: fictional fandom type deal right so it is our main character is an obsessive fan of a very 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 thinly veiled beyonce, beyonce yeah A swarm hive swarm hive exactly no. uh, and you know something beyond it feels that like. happens. And then she takes her fandom to the most twisted of places over mm. six, six episodes or something like misery levels of worse mm. <laughs> it was good. but it was it was ugh. um, and it's filmed in like a, a like sixteen millimeter style, which was really mm. cool. um definitely recommend it. definitely recommend. Okay. It. And then I just started. The new season of Slasher, um, which is like a period piece set in 1800s Canada. Um so we'll oh. see that. That's yeah. interesting because I haven't watched since the
1: season where they were like on the ski trip or whatever.
0: Oh, that was season two.
1: Yeah. So awesome. would you recommend like the middle seasons though? Like how did you feel about them?
0: Three? It's, three was fine. I feel like mm-hmm. um, four. Four was my least favorite. If okay. I thought it was too clunky. Um, Even
1: with the first one, I mean, the first one was good.
0: It was just Katie McGrath was just. Oh my clunky. god! No. <laughs> every every that four was like everyone was like doing Katie McGrath level acting for some reason, and I was like, yeah but um but yeah i and I, th- I think five will be interesting if only for the fact that they're setting it in the past for once mm-hmm.
1: um, i'm hoping this is the beginning of a trend of like post prey like oh we can do other time yeah, periods yeah. besides the
0: 70s and the 80s yeah take it way back alien on a pirate ship yeah the somebody alien versus
1: alien person Mm -hmm. ninjas in feudal Japan. Somebody had a good one where they were like, they should do um, the like Hellraiser and the puzzle box in like ancient Greece. Do it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, okay. I'm finally done with my horror headlines. Told y'all I've been binging horror stuff since the end of the Oscars. Colleen, you got anything?
3: Resident Surprisingly, Evil. Surprisingly,
2: <laughs> just Resident Evil Four. Four. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think I read a fantasy romance that had zombies in it. I think that's the closest I got to horror.
1: So, erotic horror is a thing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's quite what erotic horror is, but uh, it isn't.
2: It. This was a lot more like *Warm and Fuzzy*, but there were the undead. So,
1: boo! We want sexy romances. Like warm. I don't know, I assume, I know like there's romances that are not, I just always assume when I hear romance, I'm like... I mean there were sex scenes in this, but
2: I would not consider it erotica, let's put it that way. Gotcha.
1: No mentions of his manhood. It was like all me. the
2: foreplay, and then it was like, he made me see fireworks. I'm like, cool.
1: Oh, awesome. it's like fan fiction, like, like sex writing, where they're like... It's not closed door, it's
2: like partial closed door. Yeah.
1: peeking in. Peaking yeah. too. Peek. That's fun. great. Okay. Was it with a zombie? No. <laughs> okay, just gotta check.
2: It was not a monster romance. It was,
1: it was two living, oh, great people. I lied. You know what else I watched that was not really good? A monster um, romance? No, I don't know why I thought of this. It was a wolf pack. Oh yeah, heard that (laughs) so it's the concept itself, like the overarching thing that they're trying to do. I'm like, this is interesting. All these characters suck and are terrible, and I'm only here because Sarah Michelle Geller's here. Mm -hmm. And you know, it just it was not it was the most convoluted, impossible to follow plot. None of the characters were
0: likable. Um see that bundles me out because like we need more werewolf stories. Yeah, and I thought it was so interesting,
1: like, the take that they were taking on, um, like, the focus of it and and what, you know, they wanted it to be about. And even though it's by the guy who did the Teen Wolf, um, most recent, you know, like, the Teen Wolf movie, not the movie, the TV show. It has nothing to do with Teen Wolf, according to him. <laughs> he just really likes to I guess make werewolf stuff, um although some reviews have said it takes place in the team wolf universe, but it does not oh God, yeah
0: another shared universe,
1: yeah, so anyway, no, not a very good um execution of werewolf. yeah,
3: it's unfortunate, but... but yeah, well, if there's nothing else.
0: Then I think it's time to turn our attention over to 2011's Grave Encounters and all of the fun nonsense we're going to get into as we discuss that movie. But first, let's take a listen to the trailer. Good evening and welcome to another episode of Grave Encounters. Psychiatric hospitals like this were seen as sort of a a dumping ground for embarrassing family members rather than a place that they could go to actually get help.
3: Many of them were severely disturbed. It's truly frightening.
2: I swear to God that I saw someone right at the end of the hall there.
3: And he swears that, that, that something pushed him off the ladder. So you guys see this window here? Lock it up real good at night. Come back in the morning. Sometimes this thing's wide open. Tonight, my crew and I, using the most sophisticated in ghost hunting equipment, we're in search of definitive proof of spirits that were unsettled in life and possibly unsettled in the afterlife.
0: Is there someone here with us? What the f was that? What if this is something real?
3: get you see Yeah. I'm going to document everything because when we get out of this place, people are yeah. going to want to see this. Matt
0: and Houston are gone. We just need to focus
3: on finding a way out we- ah! what, what? What? There's just something over
0: there! Where are you? Hey, who are you? How, come you? how come you're in here? Oh,
3: Jesus Christ, what's happening Why isn't happening? <laughs>
0: all right so we're gonna kick things off as we always like to do with our opening question and that is when did you first see this film and what were your first impressions Miss Mel will you kick us off
1: I saw this probably right around the time it came out because I watched it during that time period where you could find like really cool random horror movies on Netflix yeah um and I don't... Oh. yeah And like I don't know if it like a re like that's how it released initially or it wasn't theaters at all and then went to Netflix, but I watched on Netflix. Um, and I think I immediately clocked that it was supposed to be like them doing ghost adventures and Zach Bagan. Talked about
2: Finley Veiled. Yeah. Like it is Um, shot for shot. I think they even
1: well, I sent Charlotte the picture of like, here's Zach Bagans, Here's Lance Preston. And they're like both doing the pose like to explain uh, the situation, but um, I liked it a lot. I mean, I watched it probably, this is probably like my sixth or seventh time watching this movie. Like I've seen it so much cause I just really find it so enjoyable. Um, But yeah, it was probably when I was in college or late high school, I think is around the time it came out.
0: Yeah, 2011. Yeah. Yeah, some of your comfort movies, I feel like.
1: Yeah, when I'm like sad, it's like, let's watch Grave Encounters. I want to see Lance Preston get lost in the asylum.
0: And lost he does. Yes. What about you? Similar. I have a vivid memory of watching this in uh, the apartment I had in college, which you both know well.
1: Above the, yeah.
0: About the Pizza Place. place. Yeah. yeah the first time and and i think it was one of those like i know i want to watch a horror movie i'm just gonna throw on this because it looks interesting and then being like (laughs) this is pretty fun yeah this is cute um yeah i don't know that i've seen this movie six times but a a, a good a a handful i want to say this is maybe my actually well maybe fourth or fifth so
1: i also show it to a lot of people Too. So I think that's also part of it. Yeah, did I make you watch it?
2: Yep. (laughs) That's the first time I watched it. I think it was was before I think it was for the fourth of July that one weekend we all hang out together because I showed up a day early. Or it was like encounters. (laughs) Or I was there a day late, whichever it was, and you were like, Yeah, we're watching Grave Encounters. Because you knew I watched Ghost Adventures. So you're like, oh, you're going to love this. (laughs) Um,
0: I think it was early because I feel like I remember showing up to that weekend. And you guys were like, yeah, we watched Grave Encounters.
2: (laughs)
3: I was like,
0: "Good." It might have
1: been early. I think I do remember you coming early for that weekend.
2: Yeah, I showed up the day before everybody else because public transit. So I think that's what we did that night was watch Grave Encounters.
0: And what were your first impressions?
2: I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, I watched it like I had it in while I was at work the other day just to like rewatch it and refamiliarize myself with it. And if you're watching it like all the way through for me personally, it's you you get sucked in when mm-hmm. things start getting very supernatural. Um whereas where I was just like looking over at one point I was like ooh those effects are not great. Yeah <laughs> those yeah. effects are not good. The CGI. When you're like yeah. not in it you're like mm. Okay, but I still think it's very fun, and I like how it wasn't like, "Oh, are they going crazy?" They're like, "No, this is supernatural, hundred mm-hmm. yeah. percent. This isn't a like yeah, they're, they're going just- mad. It's like, no, this is a hundred percent supernatural. Get in it, get on board."
0: Yeah, so. they go pretty hard with that. Yeah. Well, let's dive right in because we have a lot of background to get to regarding this movie and it's one of the big reasons we asked Miss Colleen to join us for this episode. Um So we're going to talk a little bit about like uh, the popularity of the paranormal reality ghost hunting shows that Grave Encounters is not parodying but
1: using as a stepping stone. Like it's the cultural touchstone where we understand what
3: yeah' Grave is
1: supposed to be. Yeah yeah because yeah, like, was... as
2: soon as it starts no one's going to be confused about what they're doing
1: You're Like, oh yeah they... there's, there's the EMF detector uh,
0: I <laughs> don't even stupid? think they
2: needed the intro from the producer like they could have just gone straight in Blair Witch style and like yeah. everyone would have known what was going on
0: I thought that too especially on this I wonder if that one. was a test screening like, thing I was like I don't know that we need this sort of like prologue-y type thing we with that guy did... yeah we could have like I'm a producer
2: and I was expecting him to show up again at the end like him to like bookmark it so that would explain be like, like yeah that was, was there.
1: fucking wild and we find that to be fucking wild and yeah
2: or even to be like no one ever heard from them again kenneth good old kenny showed up at 6 a.m and all their stuff was gone and no one yeah. was there
1: like you um, get the outside perspective
2: yeah i expected that him to like epilogue and wrap it up and then i was just like nope never see him again
1: what is surprising that he doesn't Now that you say that i'm like yeah actually that would make a ton of sense if you're going to have him intro you should outro and be like yeah so we don't know what happened to them they showed up and nobody was there you know if you've heard if you have any information, you know the kind of blair witch style where they're like you know have you seen these people um
2: or even like we tried to get the police involved they thought it was like a publicity stunt like no one has ever even looked for the team
3: yeah
2: and they could that with the sequel all mm-hmm. oh, right i forgot about
1: it. the sequel <laughs> is the premise of it is better than i think some people give it credit for but it ultimately turns into something not so
0: yeah agreed <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah i mean i think everyone sort of remembers When those kinds of shows were huge, because it was Mm -hmm. right, movie was released. Essentially, it was really capitalized Mm -hmm. a lot of that. We are definitely all people who watch those kinds of shows. I think you guys maybe were a bit more invested in some of them than I was, and so you guys have come up with some amazing backstory for us regarding Mm -hmm. all of that. So, please take it away.
1: Okay um i will start in the deep depths of history where um
2: don't worry i'm going there too
1: yeah way back yeah so we'll just we'll just we'll just bounce off we'll just it's like a ping pong um but basically virtually like all this stuff like can be traced back to the spiritualist movement of the 19th century. I was going to say the 1900s. That's not true. I mean, it was in the 1900s, but it goes back to the 19th century. Um, obviously, most famously, like the Fox sisters, the Knox and all that stuff um, and that sort of thing. But um, it's where we get, um, you know, the first sort of like Performances of seances as we understand them today. Um, It's where spirit photography comes from, which actually is mentioned in um, the movie Um, spirit boards or Ouija boards um, of which we learned a deep, deep history about when we were in Salem Um, and other like random weird paranormal experience uh, experiments. um, a lot of, like, very famous people, like, full ass, like, believed in this as, like, this is truth, this is science, and this is what the world is, and those people included First Lady Mary Todd Lincoln, um, mystery author Sir Arthur Cannon Doyle, which always surprised me, because I'm like, you think he'd, like, logic his way out of, you know, this this thinking, but I guess, you know. There was a no.
2: death of someone close to him. I think that's what started his yeah yeah i vaguely remember that because i usually hear about him in guard in regards to harry houdini who absolutely (laughs) hated the spiritualist movement and thought it was all charlatans and they were like frenemies they like argued about it
1: constantly but we're still friends they're like at the soiree and they're like oh harry (laughs) basically you, you do go on um but other people included Charles Dickens, inventor Thomas Edison, Queen Victoria, and the first female presidential candidate in the u s. Victoria, Claflin Woodhull, um, and a bajillion others. And actually, you know, if you want to dig into this more, like there's a very interesting like tie between like the history of u s. politics and the spiritualist movement. Um, just because spiritualists tended to be abolitionists and suffragists. So it really, like you, if you go back, like, it's very tied to, um. Like the onset of the civil war and the political parties of the time, which is kind of interesting to think about, you know, that being so tied in with with us history in that way. Um. But that seems to be, and I think we're in agreement, Colleen, and you can speak on more, but that's about where this stuff kind of starts.
2: Yeah, and it's around this time, interestingly enough, that the big kind of push for asylums also happens. (laughs) Um, So in the 19th century, um, the moral treatment of those with mental health issues gets imported from Europe over to the United States. So instead of basically shackling people, locking them in the dark room and leaving them to just wallow, uh, the idea is if we give them, we treat them kindly, if we give them space and activities and things that, uh, in their words, things that the quote unquote still rational part of their brain can work on and latch onto, that can help quote unquote cure them. Like so, if we don't
1: treat them like shit, it maybe, basically it'll if go better. We don't better. treat
2: them like animals. Maybe they'll get better. Uh That's So, at they like they use restraints only when necessary and for short periods of time. There was no longer the isolation of those with severe mental um, health, and instead they wanted them surrounded by nature and quiet, secluded areas. Um and provided work restu- um recreation, things that they could enjoy. And the first establishments were for the rich, of course, those who could pay for the private care. Um, and then Dorothea Dix, who anyone who has taken psych or social work has heard her name, started championing for the institutions to be open for the poor, being state funded um, through the
1: 1850s and 1860s. Um. They talked about a little bit when I visited Penhurst, which was not an asylum, but was a state school um, for children and adults at the time who would have been considered in some capacity, like, um, you know, mentally handicapped um, and that sort of thing. But they said that, um, you know, they pointed out, like, you don't see any walls here because it was purposefully built up on a hill with cliffs on three sides and a river on the other side as like a natural form of seclusion and it was well outside the city. So, you know, basically you'd send your relative and, um, you know, if you got out there, if you knew somebody who had a car or took the train all day, because it was like early uh, 20th century, like you could see them, but like the seclusion, like was a big, like basically taking these people out of, um, you know, quote unquote, civilization and um putting them off on their own like that um seemed to be like a prevailing thing that everyone was doing
2: As well, they were starting to understand that like mental health has to do with the brain and things like that the thought process was it's the pressures of society that is causing a lot of these symptoms if we take people out of society and let them rest and let them recuperate they hmm. will be quote unquote cured and then can go back into society
1: which, you know, as we'll find out as we go through this, that's not how things went down at all. Um, do you want to talk about your next bit of history? Because I think that technically comes before.
2: Yeah. So as Ms. Mel said, uh, best intentions. Don't always go that way. And while everyone was all about opening institutions in the 1850s and 1860s, um, by the 1890s, the system was already overburdened and overutilized. Part of this was local governments realizing that if they changed the diagnosis of their elderly patients to them being senile, they could send them to these state institutions and not have to run almshouses or poor hou- or uh, public houses because this is before nursing homes. So you get a bunch of individuals with dementia, Alzheimer's going to these institutions, which inflates the population, but also it doesn't matter how much natural environment they have or anything, the moral treatment isn't going to help them. Mm -hmm. So you have these individuals who are not going to go back into society at these institutions bumping up the numbers um and then there just isn't enough money or staffing to keep them running at the level that they want to and if you watch any of these ghost hunting shows during their like history portion they're like this was built to hold 1500 people at the height of its use there was like 3500 right. mm, inmates as they call them patients um so they're just you know again best intentions but there wasn't enough staff and there wasn't enough funding so things started to deteriorate quickly um to the point where like not even acceptable care was given get it being given and that's where you start hearing all these horror stories come from where people were left to sit in their own filth uh kids were chained to beds because they were violent and there wasn't enough staff to do one-on-one care with them um they were hosed down instead of being bathed those sort of things um so they did start some nurse training programs to kind of boost the numbers so there was more staff but unfortunately when World War II runs around comes around the staffing is just decimated. Classic World War II. Classic We're World War II. Everything. Um, <laughs> the personnel is even more decimated along with the funding. So yeah. that starts the very steady decline of asylums from what they meant to be, which is this beacon of treatment and peace and tranquility, to in some cases becoming almost prisons for the people right. who are sent there.
0: And so they never really were what they were intended to be, is what I'm hearing. Or there was a very short period of time where they were.
2: Those private institutions for the wealthy. And you hear this in period dramas. Classic where, wealthy. Yeah. You hear this in the period dramas where the women have hysteria, or her hysterics, and go to the country to for rest.
1: To have their yellow wallpaper moment.
2: T- truly. Right. So at the very beginning, when they were first open in the U.S. and in Europe, um they they did have these private institutions to give this luxurious rest kind of spa like treatment mm-hmm. um unfortunately like most things it did not take long for it to snowball out of control for the state funded places where oh where we, can we cut funding the mentally ill where no right. none of their fam their family just shoved them in this place so no one's going to check on them to make sure they're okay we can we can take some money from there we can take some money from there which we still see today. Unfortunately, mental health yeah. programs are just not funded in a way that can keep that community safe and healthy and operating to their optimal.
1: So vibe. what is the like post-asylums, like they they sort of decline, what is the solution after that?
2: So that's where you see the rise in community mental health. So mm-hmm. The thought process is, and this is even part of mental health that we still do today, is that you have to treat people in the least restrictive setting. Mm -hmm. So if it's someone who can be on medication and see a therapist one time a week, that's the least restrictive setting. If they can do outpatient, like intensive outpatient, but still live out in the community, that's the treatment that they're prescribed. The problem Mm -hmm. is that there are some people who are just their symptoms are so severe that living in the community is not an option. Mm -hmm. And this is where we see some of our homeless individuals come from. Um, This is where we see um, the 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 haggard families who are trying to take care of someone with schizophrenia, who Mm -hmm. don't have the access to the medication and stuff that could help them. So a lot of the people at the end who were in asylums probably didn't need to be there. Um that being said, there are some individuals where living in the community is not an option. And yeah, so they need a 24-hour care facility, whether that's a house with staff or whether that is a psychiatric hospital. Um I am just to make it clear, I'm not saying people with schizophrenia need to be in a psychiatric hospital. Mm-hmm. Many people live in the community just fine. Um, mm-hmm. But there are just, I, I think if kids who come into the hospital sometimes who like swallow everything in sight and it doesn't matter what treatment regimen they're on it's just something they do constantly and they're at home so their mm-hmm. families are constantly trying to lock up everything. To mm-hmm. keep their children safe, those are the type of people who a residential facility or something like that and there's just not enough. There's yeah. not a funding for enough people who have severe symptoms that either we haven't found the right medication treatment for or therapy treatment for or just their symptoms are so severe they need that 24-hour care by trained individuals oh um right. there's only one psychiatric hospital in all of Pennsylvania that's still open um, wait
1: I think I've heard of this one tell me what it's called
2: uh Torrance. maybe no I'm like I remember the name
1: I, I, <laughs> I, I say I that, but like, hearing... that sounds wrong wait I remember hearing you're thinking of Jack Torrance, Colleen. Um, no, I um, I remember hearing that there was one that was still open and like operational, um, yeah, whereas the others were shut down.
2: It's in the middle of the state, I
3: believe.
1: Yes, I think this is the one I heard about. Could not tell you off the top of my head what it's called, but. Um. It's interesting, though, because. I mean, it's horrifying, but I guess that's part of why it's such a common setting in horror films and even ghost hunting shows. Like they all go yeah. to some fucking asylum, you know, or, you know, it has a lot of different names and a lot of them are very like, you know, unkind names. Um, yeah. but um, you know, for you know, in the interest of not using some of that language, we'll just call them asylums. Um, yeah. but um, you know, ghost like, you know, like 5 or 6 episodes out of any given season of a ghost show, they end up at some asylum in some state that was abandoned that, you know, people were uncared for, or it was overcrowded or people were lobotomized or people got shock therapy or like, what have you. Um, and it's always, you know, it's so redundant, but it's interesting to me just the way that, like, we gravitate towards it now that it's over and done with and we can be like wasn't this such a shame this thing that happened um as opposed to like well it's still happening right now it's just in different ways like the way that we treat um people who who require uh treatment for for mental health uh issues but would I you like to speak correct. about the lobotomies now? Or
2: <laughs> I feel like I'll so because part of my uh, my history is what happens at the end. So I'll give a little gotcha. chat right. about so we'll lobotomies right then. then. Right. So. Um, it was Torrent State Hospital. I was not making that up. Um I don't was know Jack if it Torrance is State still Hospital? open, but um yeah, it's in Derry yes. Township.
1: It's Torrent State Hospital. Um Wow well. I will swing back in with some more history of other things that were going on, because this actually works pretty well, Um, I guess coincidentally, but maybe it was also because of post-World War II, because I feel like, you know, classic World War II. But in the 1960s, um, there started to be this sort of like wave, and I don't even think it was a wave. It's just these US and UK um, like news uh, channels would start to do like, like little ghost stories and like talk about paranormal claims that people had made about things. Um, If you've ever seen the movie Ghost Watch from 1992, which is incredible, you should go watch it. Um, Or
0: the, now, how do you say this, Craig? When? I I say the WNUF Halloween special. Yes, from
1: 2013?
3: 2013.
1: Yes. Um, Both of those kind of spoof, not spoof, but use this as um their sort of like starting point for for what they're supposed to be is like you know the, you would have these like specials on Halloween night where they'd send some news reporter to a local whatever to um you know live report on ghosts and that sort of thing
0: um real thing for local tiny stations yeah
2: in Erie uh for a couple of Halloween's they did something that was called Erie Erie. And they would go around the supposed haunted places in Erie. So they went to um, the vampire crypt, which is in one of our cemeteries. The what? Um, The vampire (laughs) crypt.
0: You know, everyone has one. You know, everyone has one. Oh, they're Um, like hung out in high school, probably.
1: (laughs) My home. Um, Made out with people in that vampire (laughs) crypt. uh,
2: And there was also, um, there's a series of tunnels underneath the city of pittsburgh that were built during the nuclear you know the cold war right. so there's a during lot of t- things. during the thing you know classic cold war um so there's talks of you know those tunnels being haunted because you could get to them from a number of buildings throughout the city my old high school had an entrance to them um and that sort of stuff so they did it two or three years in a row where they went around to all of the like haunted or like urban legend areas um, Mm of the city. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So this is sort of like the first time like that's sort of like done in that way. Um, And it's not anything that we would recognize today as ghost hunting. It would just sort of be somebody with a microphone being like, and this guy says he saw a ghost and like that sort of thing. Um, But it leads to a lot of paranormal TV programming and this is like documentary style. It's not reality TV. But it's like um, we had One Step Beyond, which ran 1960 to 1961. Uh, In Search of, which ran 1977 to 1982. Unsolved Mysteries, which ran from 1987 to 2002. Originally, I think there's like been some reboots of that. Um, it was a Netflix reboot.
0: Yeah. There
1: you go. And then Sightings, which ran from 1991 to 1996. Um, and you know, there's so there's like a market for this and the first real reality-based paranormal show in the format that we know today was mtv's fear which premiered in 2000 and ran for two years and it was cancelled not because it was not popular it was actually like the second most popular thing on mtv it was just so expensive to produce i remember fear (laughs) yeah that they stopped doing it um but it involved contestants there was usually about like five or six of them Um, who were sent to haunted locations for two nights and they would have to complete like challenges that they called like dares basically um, where like you'd have like they'd send some of them like okay like three people have to go to these locations alone and spend 15 minutes there and record everything they see and that sort of thing and they outfitted them with um, equipment and like cameras and like these dinky very 2000 headsets because they didn't you know like that's what we had at the time and that was like the the peak of technology where these like huge like over the ear with a microphone headsets and that was like their Bluetooth or whatever but um you know it's a fun show you can find a lot of the episodes on YouTube Um, if you want to just go look and be rocketed back in
0: time. Um it was inspired what were you gonna say? It makes me think of um Halloween Resurrection. Yes, yes, reality show where they send them into the Myers house. Like yeah. that's essentially- it's essentially the same,
1: it's the same thing. And like this was inspired by 1973's uh, The Legend of Hell House, directed by John Huff Hugh, um uh, which followed a group of researchers spending time in like the home of a former serial killer. But um Basically, this is where the visual look and feel and the production like value of what all these other like paranormal reality TV shows. This is where it starts, like the idea of having people with the cameras walking around and getting a camera's eye view. um, The watchers getting motion sickness. Yeah, basically, Um, this led to a lot of copycat shows uh, very quickly, which included Fox Families, present day Freeforms. Scariest Places on Earth, which ran from 2000 to 2006. Um, Fox's Murder in Small Town X, which ran in 2001. I love
0: Murder in Small Town X.
1: (laughs) And then sci-fi's Scare Tactics in 2003 and 2013. I never watched uh, Murder in Small Town X.
0: You would love, if you can find it on the internet.
1: I might be able to. Um, It only ran for one season. Um, I don't know if this is, I think... The reason it did not run more is because of this, but I'm not sure. Um, I do know that one of the creators was killed in 9-11. Um, I think I've
0: heard that before. Yeah, that's yeah, well. So, nope, yeah. oh, we're done.
1: Yeah, I think they cut it off, um, which is, you know, I hate to say ironic for, you know, sort of what comes next, but um, Basically, in October of 2004, Ghost Hunters premiered on sci-fi and ran until 2016, although that is now getting a reboot, too. Um, And it was the first time that they had a show that focused entirely on a group of professional ghost hunters, like a crew of them visiting haunted locations. um, And Ghost Adventures soon followed in 2007. But um, basically, like, the, like sort of prevailing thought is that like post 9-11, there was a huge boom of these shows that was basically almost like a modern day spiritualist movement revival because the spiritualist movement in the 19th century was like very much in response to like the horrors of the civil war and like various pandemics that had happened in that um, century. So they turned to spiritualism to be like, There's life after death. I can talk to my loved ones. Like, it's okay. These horrible things are happening and here's my comfort and that sort of thing. So they, you know, feel that they being like, I don't know who they is, but like, I guess,
0: cultural anthropologists
1: or whatever. um, Think of, you know, 9 11 Mm -hmm. as causing the same sort of like people become very interested in, you know, shows about paranormal stuff, they get interested in like, you know, ancient prophecies and this being the end times, like it very much caused like a, a like people to be very focused for a long time on paranormal and supernatural um, media. Um, about, so like the numbers on this, like prior to 2002, 2001, that time period, um, there was maybe around 30, similar sort of paranormal shows that aired across a few networks afterwards. So between now and 9 11 to now, uh, 150 paranormal reality TV shows have aired in some capacity on different networks. Wild. Yeah, and that's not even including the boom of like paranormal reality, like blogs and vlogs on like YouTube and TikTok and like podcasts and all that stuff, so. There's a correlation, yeah. Um, but yeah, so do you want, so we can, we can get into talking about the movie um, or, you know, at, at any point I could, I could talk about the recent tea <laughs> the, yeah. with Ghost Adventures.
0: Yeah, so what do, let's think about this first. We first. can,
1: so let's, let's first work. preface this with Ghost Adventures exists, and this is spoofing that specifically.
2: it was so funny because like to me ghost hunters were like they were serious like this is serious ghost hunting like this is what professional professional ghost hunters do and ghost adventures was like for people who want to have fun (laughs) watch (laughs) this one (laughs) not that ghost hunters isn't like entertaining but if you want to watch Three of...
1: Chuckleheads?
2: Right. It's a. It's like the guys you know in your college dorm going out ghost hunting. Like... My
1: sister and I, one time, I went over to her house and like the kids were asleep, so we like smoked some weed and we watched Ghost Adventures. And I have never seen my brother-in-law laugh so hard than like I don't. It was the episode where they were at like some amusement park. And like Aaron did something or got scared by something and my brother my high brother in law found it so fucking funny. He like dropped to his knees laughing. What's in college? Like, Dude, bro, do you touch me? Yeah. What something's it something's in there, man? Oh. Like it's, it's how I got
2: through studying in college, because I was interested in the first half of the, like, the history of the place that they yeah, went to and the, everything. Yeah, the, like, first
1: half hour.
2: And when they started doing the actual ghost hunting, I was like, okay, time to take some notes.
1: Like, yeah, because it's just a, you know, it's like a. I look up when they
2: started acting, you know, screaming yeah, at each Yeah, you hear other.
1: somebody go, yo, and you're like, what? And then it's like, they zoom in on, like, a tiny speck of dust zooming across the camera. And then there's, like, then a big boom of explain to you how it can't be dust. They're like, we debunked yeah. this because it's not dusty in here. but like, this abandoned anyway. building that we're in. Yeah. yeah. You're like, Ghost Adventures has a very specific aesthetic. Um, yeah. And its host, Zach, with a K, Bagans, um, has a very specific aesthetic and demeanor. And Grave Encounters and its host, Lance Preston, are clearly meant to be a parody of um Zach and Ghost Adventures in general look, in demeanor, in, in it's almost demeanor. one to
2: one except for Sasha.
0: Yeah, there's a girl the vi- in here.
2: Yeah, they have the visual audio tech. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we have the visual audio tech, which is Aaron. And yeah. then we have this serious camera guy who is nick and then we yeah. have Lance. And then they're like, we gotta throw a girl in there. So Yeah, we gotta make this Sasha. not
1: obvious enough that they're gonna sue us and make it different. Um, because they also have like a resident um the
2: psychic.
1: psychic medium, psychic. which occasionally ghost adventures calls a psychic medium, but they have their own. Um, but that is the the premise of this.
0: Yeah. It is very clearly aping specifically ghost adventures. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: Because, like I said, there are some parts of it where, like, I have seen this exact shot. <laughs> well, when they put the X's time. down,
1: when they're like, yes! put the X down here for a static camera. I was like, this spot. is this the only group that does that.
2: <laughs> it's a hot spot. Or where the audio tech is going and setting up all the cancer cameras, and it's, like, zoomed in on his face while he's, like, turning them on.
1: Yeah. And there's a guy at, like, headquarters, like, monitoring everything. I don't know, it's just, it's very fun as somebody who I also enjoy, like, just throwing ghost adventures on in the background, particularly oh, the older, the,
2: time. Yeah. the older
1: seasons, you know, recently it's gotten pretty annoying, but, um, it's a but fun didn't little nod. They take
2: themselves too seriously, like, they were trying to be professional ghost hunters, but, like, it was three, what you assume to be friends, yeah, doing this, yeah. and then as what it went. you we
1: assumed to be friends.
2: And then as it went, Zach believed his own hype a little bit. And then he's yeah. like, we are professional ghost hunters and been possessed by demons 37 times. And I'm like, okay.
1: Yeah. So I can get into some more of the, the tea around the hot goss currently happening with the Ghost Adventures extended universe. Um, <laughs> but first we can maybe get into a little bit of talking about uh, the movie itself
0: sure yeah so grave encounters um as we mentioned earlier begins with an interview with a producer um for an unspecified television network giving an interview and talking about a show that his network was producing called grave encounters it was a ghost hunting show they had submitted five episodes episodes. that were complete and while the crew was filming their sixth episode at the Collingwood Psychiatric Institute, they all vanished. They did not emerge from the institute, but some of their tapes were recovered. And so the film is meant to be, you know, though that recovered footage. We are watching what was found. And essentially we see what happens to them and why they never came out of the Collingwood Institute. And it's fairly standard, like, there's not a whole lot in here in terms of, like, narrative that is all that surprising. Like, they mm-hmm. show up at the Institute, they get a, a tour from Kenny the Caretaker, they choose to lock themselves in for the night to see what they're able to capture, they set up their equipment, nothing really happens at first, but then slowly things do happen, and we realize that there is a presence or multiple presences here in the asylum and they're never gonna make it out alive.
2: Yeah. And for me, I think the scariest part is when they like bust the doors open mm-hmm. and it's still yes. the asylum. Yeah, That's a,
1: a mechanic that I love.
2: And um, when they realize time, has changed.
1: Yes. Yeah.
2: And they've been in there for like eight hours and the sun hasn't risen yet.
3: So dark. Yeah.
2: Those two parts. Like not, when you're watching it, it's not that big of a scare compared to like all the stuff jumping out, but like thinking about being in that situation. Yeah. I'm no, like, it's nope.
1: very disturbing. It's very <laughs> like, um, yep, it's what is Mary. it? Room, room 14. What is that Stephen King story? Room 1408. 1408 yeah yeah where it's kind of a similar thing where he's like yeah. in the room but can't access the outside world and every time he tries to leave he gets trapped Ron again Q's inside the room in that movie, right he is in
0: that movie he is he's leaked oh, yeah okay. it's the it's, it's sense of once you've accessed like the space once the doors close you're never actually they're never going to open again
2: yeah but my question is if they tried to leave before the paranormal activity, would they have been able to get out? Well, or is that, it once yeah. the spirits decided that they had to be there, did they go, no?
0: That's interesting. Yeah,
1: because they don't get much all night, and they complain about that early, or Lance does, or he's like, oh my god, like we're not getting any, you know, nothing's it's happening. Four in the
2: morning, according to their time. Right when they start getting stuff and they were, you know, if they would have gotten their B-fill or their role and be like, oh, we'll doctor this and we're going to leave before stuff started happening, would they have been able to?
0: Right. Cause they're almost, they're almost too mourning when things right. really start to happen mm-hmm. because when Matt goes to pick up the cameras mm-hmm. and he doesn't Never come back, back. That sort of sets things in motion so that's an interesting question i don't i'm trying i don't know if the film really answers that for us like if they
2: the film really doesn't give any answers which i like
1: sometimes yeah like sometimes i like but it would have been nice to be like yeah what did the people on the outside experience of this
2: again like i said if that intro wouldn't have been there and we would have just done this like blair witch style right ending i really would have enjoyed but since we had the intro I would have liked an outro.
1: Which, thinking about all this stuff on the tapes, this guy is incredibly unbothered by what he's seen. Right? <laughs> right? He feels no need to take action on this at all. He's like he's Um. He's, he's like
2: mad, we didn't yeah. doctor this in any way. It was like cool. Did you call the police?
0: Yeah. Like what the right. fuck? Um. Yeah. And I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if like they, if they were they do crap? something they're to trigger from, it. Right yeah if they were trying
1: right, kind of like in blair witch how like the thing that took stuff off is when they kick over the the karen of stones it kind of like you know picks stuff up like here there's never really anything besides like i guess maybe lance's like not even provocation but he keeps go you know saying like talk to us like why you know like slam this door and he gets frustrated right. um so i wonder if that's sort of like what sets things off maybe
2: or if it was the complete dismissal that there's even spirits there because one mm-hmm. of the people oh, yeah, who stay alive yeah. the longest but suffer suffer some of the most abuse is sasha and she's the only kind of like believer in the group right. and he gets hello carved into her back and gets taken by the mist we never yeah. know what actually happens <laughs> to sasha right yeah
0: so also thinking about now too. They must have done something to trigger this, whatever, the demons, the ghosts, whatever is sort of inside Collingwood. Because they interview the punk couple that mm-hmm. spent the night there before. And they obviously were not trapped. Right. They got out.
2: And even Kenny says, you don't want to be down here at night. It's very dark, which means he's been in the asylum at night
0: exactly so and there's you know there's graffiti and there's like mm-hmm. other vandalism did they say like am i imagining that they say they're the
1: first paranormal group to go in there i
0: feel like i heard him say that during
1: his his like one of his scenes I, to camera maybe so it's possible there's something with that that um
2: or if you're there at the certain time like at the witching hour quote unquote yeah, yeah.
1: you yeah. know
2: wait Now I can't remember, and you guys probably won't remember either. When did they kill the doctor?
1: When did they kill the doctor?
2: Uh, I wonder if his death, like, if because they broke into his rooms and killed him or something.
0: We're told that they broke into his room.
2: So Um, I wonder if you're there when he died. Right. This whole right, like classic
0: haunting, like at three o'clock, you'll wake up, and that's when she. At the end of the film, when we discover what's going on, what Mm -hmm. was going on in the basement and what is still going on in the tunnels. It's,
2: it is medical staff. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's sort of implied that Dr. Friedkin is like the head honcho still. The head honcho still. Yeah. And so it could be tied into what happened to him with patients that rebelled, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. Just a thought. Just a thought a, I had.
1: That's an interesting thought. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but we, I
0: mean, we don't get hard and fast answers, which no. is kind of which fun. you know, on the one hand which is, is, is good.
1: good. On the other hand, like some acknowledgement of like
2: you I said, the Blair Witch had that thing. If you've seen these people yeah. call that like people in the outside world realize that something had happened. You yeah, know, we have that intro, but like, okay, this how did you get this footage? And I feel like, like you know, thinking about
1: in the did morning? he find yeah. it at
2: 6 a.m. when he unlocked the doors like
1: yeah and like some of it rotten? too like, like what, what? how did you collect all these cameras cuz some of them were just you know like dropped Lance in random is, places is in the basement well yeah.
0: that we do know because remember Matt tells us he's like all the cameras are recording here and they're recording to a backup hard drive mm. there you go okay so that is probably what was recovered which gotcha. so wherever
2: this backup hard drive was located
0: yeah it was
1: it was in the lobby i think
2: it was in the cloud
1: and they did uh, make a point <laughs> to tell us that so yeah.
2: yeah although i don't think they had the cloud back then but
1: no Not well, just- in 2011 it would have been early cloud technology probably
3: but
0: yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah so that's the gist of the movie um and you know we have our various scares and they're sort of picked off one by one
3: mm-hmm.
0: um Matt is uh, our um like tech person sound guy. He's the first to go missing, which sort of like prompts the rest of them to realize something is wrong. Then mm-hmm. he comes back. Then he comes back, and it's not great. Mm-mm. Um, and Sasha is targeted for a while at one point. um, you know, our TC, the cameraman is ab- is like absolutely fucking not. you know, we get a lot of sort mm-hmm. of like
2: like as
0: yeah
2: archetypes so, in these types of situations
3: yeah
0: and then eventually we're we are actually we're not just seeing a window open or door slam we're actually seeing physical manifestations of the entities that are in mm-hmm. Collingwood for better or for worse we talk the, hands,
2: the, hands. The, the, hands. the hands the <laughs> hands I um, uh, that's what the I worked, looked over and I was like ooh.
0: Yeah, <laughs> And eventually only Lance is left, right? Yeah. And he has found his way to the tunnels.
2: And that is one of the most disturbing scenes is it's him very, and the rats.
0: very yeah, disturbing. I, mean, yeah.
2: I think that's the one that like, made, like some of the scenes like got me jump scare wise. But that one, I was just like, oh, oh. And I, think,
0: <sighs> and I think with that too, it's not just the visual of him Scavenging the rat and eating the rat Mm -hmm. and whatever—it's the implication that he's been doing that for a while to survive. Like we don't know how long he's down there before he stumbles.
2: Because he keeps saying, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna save the camera battery." So has it been twelve hours? Has it been three days? Because he's like, "I've been walking in the same direction and nothing."
0: Right. And then in this like really sort of like tense, horrifying sequence, he comes across this operating chamber slash office complex that was concealed and hidden down in the tunnels and find some really disturbing material including occult material Mm
3: -hmm.
0: and then he sees um, the figures of Dr. Friedkin who you know we were told earlier in the backstory committed all of these like horrible experiments and his operating team and then we don't see it but Lance is given a lobotomy and the final image of the film is him telling us that he's all better
2: now which is again why I would like an outro cuz he says i'm all better now they say i can go, they home. Say I
0: can go home
2: so it's to me it would have been interesting if Lance had been found down in the tunnels and now he's in a psychiatric hospital and he's being charged with all these people's disappearances or something right. like that like, Ooh, did it, he get to go home?
0: Right. Does he actually? And you I
1: find out the second one, he did not. Right. right. And right. I have not seen
2: the second one, so I can't.
1: <laughs> I can't. But it did. But it also God. is like, you know, it doesn't super make sense with like, you know, the ending of the first one.
0: And it's not like you can't rely on your, you can't say, oh, our sequel will, ex-, you know, like clear. Yeah.
2: Again, an outro. Yeah.
0: yeah. But yeah. Um, but s- so I think really disturbing that that's. Oh yeah,
2: it. that's how we end. It's like he's not. He doesn't disappear into a tub full of blood. He's not taken by the mist. The psychic's death is weird to me. I don't know exactly what happens to him. He got
0: like blown, yeah, blown, he got up. blown up, <laughs> and then he's dead. And I'm not sure. Like that's probably the best way to go.
2: Right. Yeah. Is that or Matt, yeah. who just. Swan guys Yeah,
0: Matt. Yeah. But I think what's rough about that is like clearly something happens to Matt before- him
2: beforehand because yeah. he already has the ID bracelet. He's in the hospital gown.
0: Right. And oh the hospital it- bracelet that's a terrifying detail that is really. And I yeah. think
2: kind of what's implied with Matt, in my personal opinion, with the information I have is that he went underwent electroshock therapy. I
0: th- yeah it feels like that's what they're going because
2: with. a lot of people say we still use electroshock therapy to this day though it's a lot more regulated um but for extreme cases of depression it does show um help with the symptoms so some people do still undergo electric shock therapy but there is this like short-term amnesia afterwards obviously because sure. they're sending electric clearance into your brain so there is a short-term amnesia effect and i feel like with him saying like, I wasn't ready yet, all that sort of stuff. I I feel like that's what's being implied.
0: I think so too. Um, but what's really creepy is that it could be anything because right. the last we see of Matt is he hears a noise when he's collecting the, the camera. Window. The window. Window, he goes off to investigate And we don't see him for a decent like most of like it's like 45 minutes he's Um, gone he reappears in the hospital gown and he's clearly not himself and it's like what the fuck happened
2: and he's the bait because every time they leave the command center it's because they hear matt on the walkie-talkies or they're looking for matt he is 100% used as yeah as bait um and i i had a implanted memory that someone jumped out the window. Like I thought that's how I this also, movie ended. I Is also had Sasha, a, fake, like,
1: a fake memory or that somebody got thrown out the window by yeah, like, something unseen. Was,
2: like, I thought that was gonna happen when Matt went to look out. the. I thought he was gonna look out the window and he gets pushed and then they spend the rest of the movie looking for him and he's dead outside. Colleen
1: and I were in the other universe <laughs> where that awesome. happens.
0: Is it a conflagration of the window just and being then a the device, shaft and then Matt in the elevator shaft, maybe must be
2: because they they like focus so much on this window and the fact that someone jumped out of it. and right. I had a memory that that actually I was like, Yeah, doesn't he
1: get thrown out the window or something? Like yeah, that's what I, was imagining? I
2: like tensed, I was like, Oh, here it comes, <laughs> here it comes.
1: in the alternate universe we
2: watched the version
0: where Matt goes out yeah Uh, I actually thought in the matrix yeah
2: I actually thought it was Sasha that went out the window for some reason and like she gets so upset she gets so like she lasts
0: pretty long too yeah
2: even though she's like vomiting blood
0: she's worth it Sasha's Sasha's fate is quite disturbing because she starts vomiting blood and then this like really mistakes takes her and we're like what does that mean right (laughs) right is
1: that good is that bad like Like, was she accepted
2: into the hospital is that better
1: than what happens to the others
0: right is like i interpret it as being worse somehow but i don't know
2: yeah i don't know i think the worst one because matt's as, as bad as whatever he went through his was very quick he like just snaps his neck at the bottom it's the drowning in the the bathtub of blood that I'm it's not even drowning he just vanishes
0: pulled into a portal and I think you could even go like is TC still alive somewhere else in the hospital like yeah did he get like transported somewhere else right or did uh, is he dead he in the ultimate dimension yeah what does that mean when you vanish in a tub full of blood
2: (laughs) and I find it very interesting that he's the only one we get any sort of back history on
0: he has, his, a yeah, like he has
2: a
1: kid, he has a
2: wife. Yeah, he's he's doing this, you know, for the money, quote unquote. Right, because
1: I get the feeling that Lance Preston, that his name isn't really Lance Preston. I'm like, this is like like these are backstories I've made up, but I was like, this is a stage name for this guy. Well,
2: he says he like, has like an interview or something that he's supposed to be at in the morning, doesn't he? Or
1: like TC a TC says he's got a oh, job TC. that he's supposed he's got like gotcha. another gig, I think, that he's supposed to be at.
0: I think they use TC in a, in a way as like the audience surrogate for mm-hmm. a lot of moments because he- Like just
2: break the door open. Just get yeah, out of there. Just
0: break the door open. Like, yeah. just leave. like, he's sort of doing that thing that you do when you watch a horror movie and you're like, that's a dumb decision. Why would you do that? Just do this. Like we get a little bit of that from TC. Um, so I feel like, it makes sense to me that they give him those moments of humanity while the rest of them are just sort of like we don't know too much about anyone else
1: right we do know that the psychic is an actor I think
2: he's not actually psychic yeah
1: yeah because he mentions having an interview in the morning for some sort of sci-fi project Right. right um so Like, we get bits and pieces and that's another thing is, is I do wish this, this gave us a little bit more backstory and not necessarily like we need to see, like, the entirety of somebody's home life, but like through conversations and like through the phone call. And like, you know, that sort of thing, like Blair, Witch, I think did a very good job of setting up. Like, here's who these people are. Here's how they know each other. Here's what's Mm -hmm. at stake for each of them just through conversation. Um, Yeah. And we don't really get that you know like why is lance does lance believe in ghosts he seems to not i I get the
2: feeling he doesn't i get the feeling that sasha is the only believer
1: right and like how is she involved is this is this is she the brain she gets no
0: backstory so sasha she she doesn't get any backstory but it's really quickly it comes up she's the occult expert that's her role in the team yeah um and so i think that makes sense what does that mean that's so she doesn't doesn't even get to the the book
2: the one occult thing they run across and yeah. she's already yeah. been misted
0: right she's already been missed it but it makes sense that she would be the one who is like I I believe this This like yeah. this is to go over I feel like Lance does not believe what he's peddling
2: or if right. he, like, started out believing it, but like he said, because they're when they're outside and he's at the tree or whatever and she's filming him, yeah. he's like, we haven't gotten anything in six episodes, like, we'll get some yeah. b And he gets, whatever. like,
1: really excited when it does happen, so it happen. seems like he's open to the idea, but he thinks most of it's, like, bullshit. Yeah, I feel
2: like he started as a, like, believer and then got jaded, and then that's why he's so insistent that they stay when everything starts. Mm. Like, not only is this going to make him rich, but, like, we actually got something.
1: right like because he keeps saying like people are going to want to see this and
2: right that's his whole thing as he continues to film when in Blair Witch style they're like would you stop filming
0: right and he's he's the Heather in this situation he's like well we're going to keep going we're going to x y and z because he's yeah like you were saying he's come to this place where he doesn't buy into it anymore but he wants to believe X-Files style you know Mm -hmm
3: yeah yeah um
1: but yeah it's it's i you know i saw people say like in their reviews of it and we can talk about that more when it comes to like the release section but saying that like they felt that it was like sort of unoriginal and like i feel like that's not doing like justice to like the concept because yeah like the scares are a little bit like you know like it hits the beats it's supposed to hit but like you know in defense of the vicious brothers who you know came up with the concept like nobody else for whatever reason was doing this like in found footage like and this is such the natural it's such like, an
2: easy setup like yeah. not easy but like logical i think is the word I'm... it's such a logical setup like you have all of these ghost hunting shows yeah what happens when the ghost like three interact.
1: cameras yeah. yeah like what happens when it's real and you know, I think where they misstepped for me was the CGI and, like, the overt, um, like, just, like, these are the scares. Like, and I'm not opposed to them. Like, I'm not saying, like, you know, it needs to be sort of, like, um, is it psychological? Is it all in their heads? Because, like, you know, I don't th- I think you can have subtle scares about things that are very clearly supernatural.
2: Like um, the ID bracelets.
1: Yeah. Right. Like, there are parts of that you can definitely keep and have that be like, yeah, like, this is clearly something supernatural happening. And we don't need to have the hands through the ceiling or the, you know, the the demons, demon face melting that happens. Um, and I think there was like one, uh, yeah, the, the fucking, the whatever happened to the psychic guy, that weird explosion. Yeah,
2: like, him getting choked makes a lot of sense. Like, people talk about being choked by entities all the time, but then the, the light show was a little... And then I'm like, is he dead? It's
1: like, well, and that's the thing. I think his death is the least effective for me because you see it happen. Like, you also see Matt dying, but, like, that's a very, like, visceral thing that happens. Because he has the camera it.
2: and then the camera on him, and it's yeah. like, oh, buddy.
1: But this guy dies, like, a very supernatural death, and you see it. And yeah. like, you know, like, okay, this is the It's not like we just
2: find him hanging somewhere and we're like, oh, he's just he... disappeared
1: and we have no yeah. idea and we never see like, him again.
2: Like, did he hang himself? Did something else hang him? It's like, oh like, no, we see exactly what happens, and it's a little cheesy, and I don't know if he's actually dead.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah like the, is he just knocked the, out? Like I feel like every time I watch the this movie, I'm always like, wait, is that when he dies, or do we see him again? And it's like, oh no, yeah, that's when he dies um yeah but that's but it it was it was a conscious choice though like you were talking about like they Mm -hmm. you know to to take that route and to use cgi so i think that's a good segue to start talking about the production of the movie a little bit sure um and so like miss mill mentioned um Colin Minahan and Stuart Ortiz, who are known professionally as the Vicious Brothers, um, they did want to create a horror film that could work with the low budget that they had. And like a lot of new horror directors, um, they opted to go the found footage, mockumentary style, because that is a great way to minimize your already limited budget. And they they were kind of shocked they've talked about this they were they were surprised that no one had thought to make a found footage film you know at this point about a group of paranormal investigators because it's so perfectly answered that question that always surrounds found footage which is why are they filming to begin with like this film doesn't have to worry about that because it's like yeah they're making a tv show of course all of this was captured on film it makes sense, unlike some of these other found footages that really have to stretch why we have... It's
2: on the baby monitor.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. We've spliced like- together footage from the
1: baby monitor and the home security system. And- Our no,
0: ring doorbell. And, the, yeah, and all of this was edited together, and here it is. A, what?
1: Like, why? Okay, I have questions about you and why you're doing that. Like, that's, that's something to explore. Right.
0: And so so they they come up with this idea they write um they write the script the screenplay ends up being about 85 pages long when it's finished but they intentionally include room um for improvisation and later encourage the cast to um try some improv out during filming I would be curious to know what was input from the actors yeah.
2: there was one part and like I get she's scared I get she's terrified but Sasha's breathing was so annoying. <laughs> and I was listening to it at head, on headphones this time around. So maybe that's like what amplified it, but mm-hmm. that's like all you could hear. And it was like the, <laughs> and I was like, girl, I get it. Your back has been carved into like, logically, this makes sense. But as a viewing experience, I <laughs> you need you need to tone it down.
0: It <laughs> <back>. No, I <I'll laughs> it back, girl. Yeah. And I think... <sighs> It's hard to portray like terror. I feel like yeah, yeah. A, you know,
2: Like her breakdown
3: is, with yeah.
0: the
2: ID bracelets, great.
0: That's which good. Made yeah. So yeah.
2: mad that he fell asleep.
1: Yeah. yeah. Good. Like that's I great. think that's part of like why it's so hard to replicate what Blair Witch did because they actually like terrorized Terrified the fuck out of <laughs> the actors, and you can see that. Um, whereas with this stuff, like it's hard to know a how much of improvisation is happening um you know like i actually thought about that a lot with the scene where the like light gets knocked over Mm -hmm. and i'm like you know how much awareness did they have like were they told that it was going to happen and they didn't know when were they told it was going to happen you know just because it's like,
3: like yeah like
1: you know like what part of that is you know like how do you like act out like having a jump scare like that um you know on yourself so you know I do wonder a little bit some of like obviously the non-CGI stuff what um they were aware of versus like oh I didn't expect them to do that
0: yeah I yeah I would I would be really curious to know especially since it was a relatively short shoot Mm -hmm. um so you found some some good stuff about um where the filming occurred. Do you want to tell us a bit about that? Yeah.
1: Uh, Filming took place over the course of 12 days with 10 night shoots and two day shoots at the Riverview Hospital, uh, which was a, at the time, a closed mental mental institute in Coquitlam, British Columbia. Um, It has since been torn down, um, but it has actually been used in a bajillion things. Um, it has appeared in TV shows *Supernatural*, *Smallville*, *Prison Break*, *The X-Files*, *Arrow*, *Riverdale*, and *Motherland: Fort Salem*. And it's also been included in films like *Elf*, *Happy Gilmore*, *Watchmen*, *The Butterfly Effect*, *Final Destination 2*, and *Deadpool 2*. So it's very popular. A lot
0: of different. Yeah. So very not to
2: be not to be that girl, but there was a certain scene that I was watching this, and I was like. Is this from the asylum episode of Supernatural? <laughs> Which so is hard. one of my favorite episodes. In... That's a great
0: episode. So good. And is um, it, it was it did you look that up or anything? Like, is it actually the calling or um the Riverview? I will
2: I, something is telling me that they actually call it the Riverview Hospital in uh, they Supernatural. Like fully... But let me look into that. Continue, Miss Mel. All
1: right. Yeah, Colleen, well that was Yeah, that was basically it. I mean, it, it's a bummer. It was torn down because it clearly was very, a very desired filming location.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, and they, whoever owned the property at the time was clearly very willing to like allow it to be used for filming. Um, and so much stuff over such a long period of time. It is very like it's in a. It's, there's some great set pieces in this movie. Hmm. Sure. So so yeah, so um, another kind of interesting choice, but that definitely makes sense, given the nature of the film, is that there is no music until the closing credits, um, which, you know, take on a more traditional sort of approach to filmmaking, it's, you know, traditional end credits, uh, but the music that plays during those credits was composed by Quinn Craddock. And the special effects now we've been alluding to this throughout our discussion so far chatterers Um, and, of course, if you've seen the film, you know that they they don't translate super well into the finished product. But the vicious brothers did consciously opt for CGI um, for visual effects, although there, there are there are some practical effects that go on, most notably with the stunt performer that stands in for the Houston Gray character during. The aforementioned death scene that we all don't quite understand or are affected by. Um, <laughs> that that was practical, but it took a lot of like reshoots to make that work because they had trouble getting the footage they wanted, and they kept making the stunt performer like do multiple takes and like be like, run this way, jump this way, fall this way. But um, according to the Vicious Brothers, they chose the CGI and the sort of non-subtle approach to the supernatural because they wanted their movie to stand out from those more subtle paranormal found footage films like the Blair Witch Project. So they, they intentionally wanted this more aggressive feel, these like actual physical demons that would like run at you. And here's my thing the characters and the audience could not see is like,
1: I get the urge to do it. And like, I, you know, I do appreciate like putting on camera like, oh, yeah, like this is actually supernatural, like no ifs, ands or buts about it. Because, um, you know, you do have people who still like theorize with Blair Witch that it was like, you know, they were being fucked with the whole time and, and that sort of thing. But um
0: that movie does not actually confirm that it's something supernatural right um
1: but my thing with this is like if you were making a found footage film which is you know by nature supposed to be something that we can believe actually happened and we're like buying into that by sitting down and watching and be like okay yeah found footage somebody recording actual events sure you know to insert such fake looking cgi into something that's supposed to be take place in our world and be real is, um, you know, not the best decision. Like, you know, there's a certain suspension of disbelief if you're sitting and watching like a multi-camera, like non, you know, fictional story and you're willing to be like, yeah, the CGI wasn't good, but I get what they were going for. Versus like, I'm supposed to be watching like real footage of, of scary things that are happening and that CGI monster just looks terrible.
2: And, like, they could have had the girl facing the wall, and, like, as soon as he said her name or whatever, she turned around, the camera gets jittery, and, like, they could have yeah. had it without having the, like, face-melting, demon-on-the-ceiling
0: situation. Yeah, yeah there are ways around it if you still want to show us physical aberrations or whatever.
1: So, yeah, like, I honestly think the CGI was, like, almost a cop-out.
2: It is the where they filmed the asylum episode of supernatural hey. but it is also used in multiple episodes of supernatural <laughs> um they filmed the oh i don't remember the name of the episode but the one where they go forward in time and dean sees lucifer sam okay they film multiple they film multiple shots at the riverview man the so.
0: Riverview is a, a star it should probably have its own imdb page it Yeah. Does. Oh, does it really? Yeah. It does? Oh it,
2: just, it just says like filming location and it states everywhere that things have been filmed, but it is on oh, IMDb, yeah. so.
0: Oh, yeah, good for you. Riverview.
2: <laughs> and he's yeah. talking about, I mean, I think this is a good segue into the end with Lance in which we all know without being shown that he has been lobotomized so we hear his screams we see that and then he comes back on like again we didn't see it we saw the like ghostly figures of the operating team i do think their faces melt when they turn around
3: there, yeah. yeah we could have
2: cut that um but, <laughs> but like he sees all of these pictures and stuff that have shown up that have shown people being cut open brains being exposed and then we know without being told that that's what happened yeah so we can go into the history of lobotomy a little bit, um, which is something that if anyone took psych 101, we have heard of at some point. It is used quite frequently as a threat or, you know, a something in uh like one flew over the cuckoo's nest. That's the kind of the big thing, is they're in the psychiatric hospital and they are abused and a lobotomy yeah. happens. Um so I wanna say these come from a place of good intentions, like the asylums did, but maybe less good intentions. Um, They were kind of a response to a problem. And the problem was there was a lot of very uh, agitated and sometimes violent individuals in hospitals, mental health hospitals and things like that. And they needed to find a way to make them quote unquote docile. Uh, so the lobotomy is the one we know best, but they were earlier iterations that are also not great. One of them was where, uh, if you're squeamish, skip ahead a bit, because things are going to get a little <laughs> gross. Um, one involved dr- drilling two holes in the patient's skull and then ejecting pure ethanol alcohol into the prefrontal mm. cortex the thought was that the alcohol would disrupt the like neural pathways that were causing the symptoms that the person was experiencing and that new patterns could form then the doctor said it was a success but given what we now know medically i have my suspicions that that was not the case (laughs) Mm -hmm. or what they considered successful wasn't that these individuals were free of their symptoms and could go back into the community. They were docile, they took their medication, they were easy to take care of, which is not considered a success today. Um, This was what kind of the precursor to the prefrontal lobotomy, which involved, again, more skull work to get into the brain. But the one that everyone knows and is the one that is kind of talked about in all college classes is the transorbital lobotomy.
1: The uh, ice pick lobotomy.
2: (laughs) Correct. So that is, uh, it was kind of made famous by Walter J. Freeman II and James W. Watts. And it is where an ice pick is put kind of in the very thin space near your eye and then hammered in to reach the brain and then kind of wiggled back and forth in hopes of separating the thalamus. Hold on, I wanna say the right parts of the brain here, not that anyone should try this at home, but the thalamus and the prefrontal cortex, which were thought to, again, make people more docile, help with agitation, these sort of things um this was usually pr- procedure was usually performed within 10 minutes hmm. yes with Dirty. as we know how like brain surgeries now take like 12 to 14 hours right you can imagine the amount of damage that was done to patients i do want to say that neurologists at the time were not a fan of the lobotomy mm-hmm. they wanted to resist it they didn't want it done but Watson Friedman got to the media, and it was promoted as this miracle cure for these overcrowded asylums who had these violent patients. Um. It uh, one point to make is that the very first transorbital lobotomy that was performed, the patient was subdued prior to the op- uh, op- operation with electroshock treatment. Um. So it was just kind of horror after horror for that poor individual whose name I did not find. I'm sure it's in history somewhere. Um, And I would like to say that, you know, we stopped doing lobotomies because we figured out they were wrong. But in actuality, it was the rise of um, psychotropic medicines um, Mm -hmm. that led to the lobotomies being kind of put out because you don't have to worry about infection or Mm post-op kind of treatment if someone is taking a pill, which is helping with their um, symptoms. So it's a very dark uh, period to say the least. And there are records of people who have been lobotomized. I mean, not, I guess some of them could still be alive, who have explained kind of how they changed before and after one of the best kind of examples is uh rosemary kennedy underwent yeah. a lobotomy and how oh. that completely destroyed her life
3: yeah
2: um and it's kind sense. of why jf or yeah JF kennedy yeah i'm like why does that not say it? it's jfk they all I'm like
1: the confusing same name it. I'm that's confusing the it. I was like,
2: but that's There's why so he so many was such a um strong proponent for mental health was because of her so yeah. Lance again we can't see the back of his head or anything so I'm assuming you know I'm assuming his, wait, skull well, his is eye in- his, his eye
1: socket's bleeding well, yeah. Oh, yeah we yeah. we
2: assume his skull is intact but there's just that subtle dribble of blood that yeah. the directors are assuming because this again is taught in almost every like psych 101 class right. you're gonna clue in that that is what happened to him
0: yeah so yeah and so that that ending is so interesting and kind of fast in a way, mm-hmm. like after he stumbles into the operating room and et cetera, et cetera. And what gets glossed over a lot is his discovery of the sort of occult that was they like a swing at the that? end.
2: Yeah, they're it's like, like, let's just that, throw
1: this in there.
2: Is that how they're explaining why all these souls are like tethered to this
0: building? Because like, right. or is that like explaining why Friedkin was doing these heinous experiments? Because I
1: feel like it's pretty evil on its own without yeah. the
0: right. It's, yeah, it's almost to me. I'm always like, I think it's more horrific if we don't have that angle. Yeah. yeah. Like
2: all that. these, what happened to these patients was so violent and so traumatic that their souls are trapped and cannot leave.
0: Right. Versus, free-
2: oh, we're doing blood sacrifices.
0: Maybe. Right. That Kim was just like some fucked up psychopath doing horrible things to other people, and that was. And that. like, not
2: to bring it back to supernatural, uh, but the <laughs> asylum. But the asylum episode also shot here he thought he, w- he was sadistic and he was doing the electroshock and everything, but the whole point is that he thought he was making them better. Right. And I think that is almost more terrifying than the, yeah, he was into devil worship or black magic or whatever that book is supposed to imply.
0: Yeah, well, okay, so, so fun fact I discovered, that book that Lance finds, um, the, the writing, the text is, those are Norse runes. Um, but they, they, people have like paused the film and translated the page that we see, which is just kind of nonsense. Um, but just, this is what it's, what we can see. This is what it says. I've learned how steamy a relationship is at first, but then the passion fades, and there had better be a lot of money to take its place. I've learned that sometimes the people you expect to kick you when you're down will be the ones who do. I've learned that we don't have to ditch friends because they're dysfunctional. They're more fucked up than you think. So I don't know if someone someone on the crew was just having a laugh or what the deal is, but that's what the book says. (laughs) Cool, 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 cool. Wild, I think. um I think that's such a weird element to include yeah. it there. I, well,
2: I mean, I'm sure they weren't expecting anyone to pause and like translate the room. Oh
0: yeah, yeah, and not necessarily the translation, but just to have the occult angle
2: and have it yeah. north of all things. Yeah, the yeah.
0: North, for some reason is weird too. And I can't remember, Miss Mel, do you remember if does Grave Encounters 2 like explore the occult angle further? It. it I don't know if it explores the occult angle further, but it really
1: leans into, like, the supernatural elements of it. And, like, there being a doorway that was opened because of the shit that was going on at the hospital. But, like, I don't know. It's been a while since I've seen it.
0: Yeah, I haven't seen that one nearly as much. I feel like maybe only once or twice. But anyway... So to finish talking a bit more about the film itself. So um, promotion began with a a teaser trailer that was released on YouTube in December of 2010 that um, actually got a lot of attention for the film. It had 1.5 million views over three months. And the response to the teaser uh, helped the filmmakers convince Tribeca Film to buy the distribution rights, which is a fairly decent get. The film ends up being released on August 25th, 2011. It grosses $5.4 million against its $120,000 budget. So it makes a $5.28 million profit. No, no shame there. Uh, the positive reviews at the time of the film's release said that the crew made good use of the found footage format for effective scares, they praised the suspenseful second half of the film in particular as well as um the film being an effective spoof of the ghost hunting shows that were popular at the time particularly ghost adventures negative review- reviews came at the film um saying that it was beating a dead horse using the found footage format that it drags in the middle that it was derivative and it was criticized for the cgi ghost with many um, reviewers feeling that the subtle route um, not showing the ghost would have been the better option as we have sort of like teased mm-hmm. out ourselves. And currently, Grave Encounters has a Rotten Tomato score of 69%, a nice. Metacritic rating, <laughs> thank you, Ms. Colleen, a Metacritic <laughs> score of 33 an IMDb rating of 6.1 and a letterbox rating of three out of five. That's that all a little, sense, except for the Metacritic, that's really low. That's very low.
2: Especially because like, again, I said I was watching this. I had this in my ears while I was doing work at my desk at work. And my coworker came around to say something. To me, and she looked at the screen. She couldn't hear it because I had headphones on. she's like, is that graven powders? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah, Yeah. it is.
2: Oh, okay, it sure is. <laughs> it sure
0: is like known it's known people yeah people know this movie um so yeah so i would say we we've we've kind of parsed out and we've done some analysis as this episode has gone on we've also kind of talked about one good scare a little bit like we've talked about Mm -hmm. opening doors and finding just a hallway we've talked about the time thing being really creepy Is there another moment in this film that really freaks you out that we haven't touched on?
1: Not one that we haven't touched on. I mean, for me, it's always when they open the door and it's nighttime and it's more, you know, asylum. And then also the tub thing, because I just find that so freaky that he just vanishes. Um, Those are the two big ones for me. The
2: rats was very disturbing. I don't know if it's scary so much as like visceral. And at one point, as it goes on, the, if you watch the time at the bottom of the screen, at one point, it's just running. It's not like second by what? second by second. It's just running and, and glitching. And that's just a very subtle, again, going back to the subtly, that's a very subtle thing. They're like, mm, mm, mm. no, no,
0: <laughs> no, no, no. That's, yeah, that's a really good one. Another one I thought of is I get really unnerved whenever um, they're trying to find the stairwell to the roof Mm -hmm. and it's just like the stairs like into like wall wall yeah Mm -hmm. and i'm like oh that 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 creeps me out
3: yeah
2: all right
0: poor poor sasha her back poor sasha and her back yeah that's a. she's like she's
2: like no i don't want to see it and he's like we have to document it and then you just see this like you think it's just going to be scratches, you know, how in paranormal shows, they're like, oh, you have three scratches on your back. It's the sign of the devil, Zach. Uh, But it's, like, literally hello carved across her back. Like, Sasha suffers more physically than anybody else in this movie.
0: She she really does, and, like, there's that whole thing where, like, you know, they're messing with her hair. That sort of, like, prompts them to be like, oh, my God, you know, and yeah and then the coughing up the blood like Sasha gets put through the ringer man um or Sasha or whatever how he says yeah it.
1: it's Canadian that's how Canadians yeah. you, pronounce you him
2: Everyone's well, and then Matt Matt is the one that you can very much tell is Canadian oh,
0: <laughs> yeah definitely so this is going to be interesting our next segment is the view from the closet where we think about how we might be able to view the film that we're discussing from an lgbtq plus lens. so
1: there's this sad version of this which is that (laughs) you know a lot of times people who were queer in the past were sent to psychiatric institutions um which is something that's like never really touched on i feel like in these ghosts Shows they go into asylums and they're like, We want to talk to the people who got lobotomized and you were here because you were crazy and like all these other things. And it's never like, Okay, like what about the people who were basically imprisoned here for like, you know, quote unquote sexual deviance or women who were just like, I don't know the wives read a who book were sent there by
2: their father or fathers or husbands because yeah. they were acting out or the husbands wanted to marry someone else.
1: Yeah. But um you know beyond uh you know picking out anyone who sets off any gatears i feel like that's where uh you know and it's not even like there's a view from a closet it's like once again this is a, a part of the the history that's not talked mm-hmm. about
0: i think that as sad as that is i think that might be the best we can do mm-hmm. for the view from the closet regarding grave encounters i don't like in terms of like the actual we were presented with for this i don't i i don't know that i can pull anything
2: i mean everyone's yeah. really attached to matt that's the only thing i have like, <laughs> we, we, are, we are freaking out about matt and then the psychic goes missing and they're like "Fuck him yeah.
0: they all- <laughs> everybody, it. everybody loves matt maybe maybe lance and matt exchanged some handy jays at one point yeah Who knows? um so we'll move now into Legacy Legacy. What is a legacy? And I think this is a good well, we'll talk about the film's legacy. And then maybe this is where we can get into
1: the T. The T.
0: So, in terms of Grave Encounters specific legacy, um, it is known as you know, Miss Colleen brings up, like one of her co workers recognized the movie. It's it's definitely, I think, like a cult, like kind of following type of movie mm-hmm. it's not like uh you're not gonna see your average movie person know what this is but it has its fans um Grave Encounters 2 obviously exists that was the sequel written by the Vicious Brothers not directed by them that was directed by John um Poliquin it came out um a year later on October 12th 2012 in a limited theatrical run and it follows a group of paranormal fans of the movie Brave Encounters who break into the Collingwood to see if the events of the first film were real or not. So it's vaguely. So in this
2: universe, Brave yeah. Encounters is also a movie. Is it a movie? Yeah. yeah, gotcha. Okay.
0: Yeah. And they they see, they have watched the movie that we watched. And they go go. to to see if it was fake or not. Yeah. And they. And this is where
2: me, as a non-horror person, would be like, "I'm not going to risk it. Have a
0: great day. Goodbye. (laughs) Enjoy." Um, Grave Encounters Two did well financially, but it was critically panned, and because of that, it halted the Vicious Brothers' plans for a third installment but would have been Grave Encounters 3, The Beginning.
2: Which probably would have been so interesting, because it probably would have been about all the occult shit, or, like, whatever right. the doctor was doing, or, like, right.
0: we would him have getting been-
2: murdered by the, pa- the in- patients.
0: Yeah, clearly a prequel, what was going on with Friedkin, um, that character, of course, a nod to William Friedkin, director of The Exorcist. Um so yeah, that could have been really interesting. Maybe one day it will happen, but it did, you know, the-
2: Everything bit- else is getting sequels and remakes right now. It's not out of the realm of possibility. It's not out of the
0: realm of possibility. It just, it got halted at the time. So who knows? Um, But in terms of the legacy of the the show that Grave Encounters is was very clearly um, parodying, there, there's quite a quite a bit more to talk about so you there guys talk about that <laughs> sure
1: so i'm just going to go through this a little bit like a timeline because in the past um i'm going to say month like some crazy not crazy but just some shit has been coming out um about ghost adventures and zach bagans and everyone's like coming out of the woodwork with stories but basically 2004 which This has been like, I can't find this anywhere on the Internet, but supposedly Zach Bagans and Nick Groff met because Zach was the DJ at Nick's wedding. Um, Curious what conversation they had that got them started, but that is how they met as far as I know. But in 2004, the 2 of them and Aaron Goodwin um, filmed like a documentary, like their experiences. at the old washoe club and the goldfield hotel both in nevada um which are supposed to be like super haunted from like the old westy times um and this documentary is picked up by sci-fi um and you know i guess it's enough of a hit that in october 17th 2008 so this is four years after the initial filming of that um travel channel you know premieres it as a series um the first season consisted of eight episodes Using the same crew from the movie, um, and they visited places like Bobby Mackey's Music World in Kentucky, the Sloss Furnaces in Alabama, and the Idaho State Penitentiary. Um, after that, it gets uh, 250 episodes or more. I think it's actually a little bit more than that across 23 seasons. So I very will say popular. though, like
2: the only only a few like Ghost Adventures episodes have unsettled me. The Bobby Mackey's one does. Yeah, the Bobby Mackey's one
1: is actually pretty creepy. Um, Every
2: time,
1: it's their first episode, and then they go back at one point too. Both of them are very creepy. I
3: remember.
1: Um. So in October of 2014, the final episode to feature the co-founder Nick Groff airs when they visited a private home like that claimed to be sort of like besieged by a demon via Ouija board um I hate I hate those ones I hate those episodes <laughs> the next day Nick Groff's show Ghost Stalker premieres on Destination America which is an affiliated network with the Travel Channel it's same parent company that sort of thing um he did not appear on it he was just a producer um it was two different guys um Chad Lindberg and John Tenney who these two dudes who were like we both had near-death experiences so we're going to investigate the paranormal it ran for six episodes and was canceled November of that year.
2: Chad Lidberg was also
1: in Supernatural, fun fact. Oh, that's wild. Um, January 10th, 2015, the first episode that like does not feature Nick in the opening credits or anything like that, um, airs, and it's when they visit the Bell Witch Caves in Kentucky. Anyone's curious? Um, 2016, Mark, Nick's new show, Paranormal Lockdown, also on Destination America um although it did move to TLC after the first season it was him and Katrina Widman who's another she's from another show and the premise of this is they both spend 72 hours locked down in haunted locations and documented that runs
2: ghost adventure
1: oh sorry no what were you saying
2: I was gonna say I don't think Ghost adventures ever addressed Nick
1: not being there they didn't he just stopped being there He just disappeared yeah so February 2019, Paranormal Lockdown is canceled um, after, you know, a couple years. Um, October 2019, Destination Fear premiered on Travel Channel, and this starred Dakota Layden, who is a former camera operator from Ghost Avengers, along with his sister, Chelsea, uh, and their childhood friends, Tanner Wiseman and Alex Schroeder. Um, it was executively produced by Zach, which is an interesting thing to note. Um, it ran for 48 episodes across four seasons before it was canceled. This past season, the last episode aired in January of this year. I actually really enjoyed this show. I thought it was a ton of fun because it's people like our age who it, it's like four friends who get in an RV and only one of them knows the location and the others like don't know. So like they find out when they get there like where they're going and they do this thing where they were like, they'll explore and then they'll find the hot spots and pull names out of a bag to see who sleeps where. And like obviously one is always gonna be like the worst one and another one's gonna be like the best one and then the others are like somewhere in between. I found it to be a fun show. I thought it was great and you know, a lot of people were very upset when it got canceled. Um, it's almost and, pulling in
2: the game element of the MTV show.
1: Right. Yeah. And they would do like little experiments too. Like they would say like, yeah, for this location, I think we should try doing this and see what mm-hmm. happens. Or we're going to send you in there with this and you're going to, you know. So it it does like pull the game element in a little bit. And it helps that like they have such like good chemistry with each other because, you know, it's two siblings and they're lifelong friends. Um. So that's very fun, but the cancellation of the show, like shocked a lot of people, because it was very, very popular. So that's kind of what set shit off. Um, So, on the sudden cancellation of it, um, a lot of people like immediately were like, did Zach Bagans do this? Like, did he did he get the show canceled and Dakota had to go on, like, Instagram live or something and address it. And he said, you know, what he had to say about it, quote, you know, was. Did Zach Bagans shut down Destination Fear? No, he didn't. Did Zach Bagans call the network and say shut it down? No, he didn't. However, does that mean that Zach and me are friends and that he's been supporting the show and that everything's chipper and great? No, it doesn't. And I have a lot to say and more to come on that front. Um, And that's kind of the last he's spoken of it. Um, In response to that, in March, this past March, Nick Groff posted a video where he was like, He put out a call on Twitter and was like, hey, send me your questions. I will answer them. Um, So he basically talks about what happened. Basically, Nick's efforts to launch his own show, Ghost Stalker, seemed to have pissed Zach off. Um, Although, Mm. according to Nick, his contract allowed him to do this, because as we know, Zach has obviously produced multiple shows in addition to Ghost Adventures, and Nick supposedly had the same Contract stuff saying that he could do it too, but it pissed Zach off. Um, Allegedly, and yeah, and according to Dakota laden, who still worked on the show. Well, after Nick left, he heard Zach bragging um, openly about like that. He got Nick's. Show um, canceled and that sort of thing, but, um. Basically what had happened what had happened was is that like Nick just or Zach just stopped talking to Nick. Like and he he kept saying, like, don't come to this location. We don't need you at this location. And it got to the point where he said, if Nick shows up here, I'll leave. Like he gave the the network an ultimatum and Nick's lawyer basically got him out of his contract because he was basically just getting dicked around. Um so yeah, he launches paranormal lockdown. Allegedly, Zach gets that taken off the air because he doesn't like it he's mad about it um you know he's a few of the things like the quotes I pulled from it that he was saying you you know he said he refers to him as the host like he tries not to refer to him by name you know just for whatever reason but he called he says quote this host was terrible to work with It it was an extremely hostile work environment to be in he talks about being blocked from the network um people who told him like verbatim that this happened and he also talked about how, quote, multiple people in the industry have reached out to me and told me that Zach called them and told them not to work with me. Um a lot of other people have used this to also come forward and talked about how he is quote notoriously demanding and off putting. They say that a lot of times they don't even spend the whole night at the locations. Like they'll spend half the time there, leave and then send the camera crew in for B roll.
2: Mm. Which they Um,
1: allude to in Grave Encounters, right? Um, Some places said that Bagans actually threatened to sue the location owners if they allowed other ghost shows to film there. Um, yeah, Andrea Perron of the Conjuring House walked off set because of Zach's behavior. Um, she like refused to continue filming. I, when I went to Pennhurst and talked to an employee there, he referred to Zach Bagans as quote, a douchebag. Because um, he had worked there when Zach came for their Pennhurst episode, um, and according to the according to this journalist Kenny Biddle, um, if you read Zach's book Ghost Hunting for Dummies, it's like really verbatim plagiarizing multiple things, including um, a ghost a fellow ghost hunter named Bill Reap, a webmaster who runs like a. a, a paranormal sites, Steve Higgins, um, and then other books, Spirit Photography, the Strange and Controversial History by Troy Taylor, and Camera Clues, a handbook for photographic investigations by Joe Nickel. Um, And I guess just nobody ever clocked it or cared, but apparently it's like verbatim. One of the funnier things that I found is that, you know, like, he's been accused of scripting ghost adventures and like, sort of like, you know, like embellishing his reactions and that sort of thing. And one sort of famous um, situation where this happened was the Halloween episode many, many years ago um, where it was a live episode. And a lot of the viewers noticed that it looked like somebody threw an EMF detector that they claimed was, um, you know, violently tossed with no explanation. And Ghost Adventures actually came out and acknowledged like, yeah, like that happened. I remember that, yeah. Recently, on another live Halloween episode of Ghost Adventures, they had asked a local rabbi to visit um, and talk about a Dybbuk and stuff, and the interview did not go well. Um, It's actually so awkward. So the rabbi, you know, they ask, Zach asks the rabbi, like, tell me about Dybbuk. And the rabbi, like, outright says, he's like, yeah, like, I don't know too much because I was asked to read up on them for this episode. Like, he says this live on camera. Um, and then Zach the kind of blows gave past zero it. Shits. Yep. Yeah, And then Zach kind of blows past it and is like, okay, like well, so. But they have the ability to possess a human, and um, you know, and that sort of thing. And the rabbi like literally says, he's like, yeah, well, you know, what I found out about Dibbix in my reading, quote, it may not be good with your script and Zach's he storms away from this this dude and it's so awkward I love um, that. but where things stand now is Nick Groff has just launched his own show Groff Adventures which is a clear dig because Zach has made comments on Twitter about Nick not being he shouldn't be allowed to use Ghost Adventures on his resume um which Nick is like, I co-founded, co-founded it. it. I helped create it. I worked on it for 10 years. I'm going to use it on my resume. If so anybody had
2: eyeballs, they could see he was on the show. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So he calls his new YouTube channel Groff Adventures, and it's him and his wife. Um, And they go, their first episode launched April 3rd, um, and they visited a pub in Buffalo, New York called The Bantry. And I watched some of it. It was fun. And then Dakota and the crew actually launched a Kickstarter for Project Fear um, because they own all the equipment from Destination Fear. It's theirs. So they just started a Kickstarter to do a YouTube version and they raised you know, several times their budget. Their initial goal was 65,000. They've raised almost 400,000 um, and it's much. going to be several seasons at this point five domestic locations two international and you know we'll go from there but um yeah it's he's you know i guess like take him at face value zach exactly zach <laughs> <laughs> he is what he seems to be
2: and for mm-hmm. the legal team this is all alleged
0: this yes. is all legend alleged. allegedly. Have... Allegedly. allegedly i read these things that people said about zach yes Allegedly, allegedly, this is what we hear,
2: and again, I like what I said earlier about allegedly Zach starting to believe his own hype, like mm-hmm. ten years in, that is when like Ghost Adventures was like in its stride., right, yeah. um, And I wonder if that is playing a part into all of this
1: I'm yeah, one so- hundred. And he's got so many other shows now because he had Ghost Adventures aftershocks. He's got his ghost museum show. He had it one got point his ghost had, museum. Yeah, like he's got so many other things going on. Like, and I'll tell you one thing: I, you know, called bullshit on him when he went to um, Goldfield, Arizona. Because I went there. I've been to Goldfield many times. Like, it was right by where I lived. And that fucking mine shaft they claimed to go into was absolute bullshit. That's not, th- <laughs> it's not real. It's a recreation of the actual mine, which is flooded like a mile away from the town. Like, when no he one went into it, in <laughs> no, it was a tourist attraction that they made to be like, this is what the mines were like. Like, he's so full of shit. Oh. <laughs> <sighs>
0: Allegedly.
2: Allegedly. Allegedly. For the legal team. This is all alleged.
0: So so much drama I'm going on. But it, it yeah. does kind of it does kind of like, you know, when you think of the Lance Preston character and everything Grave Encounters sort of like does with him. You're like, well. Yeah. And like the fact that he
1: wanted to fabricate things, or he was like, he paid off the janitor to say. Or the I guess he was the groundskeeper to say um right you know, saw a ghost right. and Which very haunted so funny so,
0: saw a ghost over there wow it's a funny. ghost in the exterior of the building <laughs>
2: do, do we have any of the petty cash what have yeah. you seen yeah. for twenty bucks
1: yeah <laughs> wow but um yeah so. You know, let that color some of the ways you look at at ghost adventures now, but I would say check out destination fear I mean you can still stream it on discovery plus and travel or whatever Um, all the seasons are still up there, I found it to be it's quite fun.
0: Good good stuff. Well, I think we've covered all like pretty much everything we intended to cover in this episode, which was a lot did mm-hmm. we miss anything
2: we truly ran the gambit
0: <laughs> I <think it's> <laughs> so.
2: we had a little bit of history. Yeah. history we had a little bit of tea hey
1: alleged tea
2: alleged tea we ragged on cgi quite effectively
0: yeah yeah you got it all in this episode yeah. and uh really all that's left is for miss mel to give us the closing question yeah
1: so I feel like I know how Colleen's gonna answer this, but um, if given the option, and you were a little bit curious, is there anywhere like where you'd be like, I absolutely do, I would do a a overnight ghost investigation here. Gettysburg. Okay, I was expecting Colleen to be like, nope, fuck, fuck that, I'm not. I mean,
2: yes, also, <laughs> but. <laughs> just because if there is anywhere in the world anywhere in the u.s because i'm sure that you know if we're going by the like violent death multiple death Mm -hmm. residual energy theory there's anywhere in the u.s that is going to be haunted it is going to be gettysburg which Mm -hmm. mr Kreger's attested to some experiences that he had it there but like the battlefields and, and everything so i feel like Feel like there because I I wouldn't feel like those they're malicious. Like again, it's residual. It's right, these
1: it's just the soldiers like who don't
2: understand that they have died. And, and I'm sure like the World War One and World War Two battlefields in Europe kind of have the same vibe.
1: Betty, what's her face who <laughs> <laughs> had to make her bread and got murdered? <laughs> Jenny Wade. Jenny Wade. That's a... it. Like, no, I'm a patriot, anyway? mom yeah so <laughs> like that's bird. not
2: like that's not like demon portals and shit that's like the history not being completely gone so I think like yeah. that is the one place that I would be able to handle it
0: okay having stayed overnight in a haunted room in Gettysburg and had some little experiences yeah yeah it's yeah and it didn't feel and like I and I mentioned this when I briefly talked about it on the show a couple episodes back, it did not feel malicious. It was creepy when the the Hmm. things happened, but just because it was happening, it didn't feel. And the experience that I had in Gettysburg was very
1: much like, felt like residual in that way. Like we sort of, I think I've told this story before, but basically like stumbled upon, you know, like what sounded like the repeat of a battle. Um, And it, that seemed to be what was, what was happening. Um,
2: and that's what people so. say all the time is that they hear cannon fire and, and gunshots that Outing. make no sense. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
3: Definitely.
2: And am I all using tech like terms that I learned from Ghost Adventures? I sure am.
3: I
1: the have no shame in, in my in, game. <laughs> in Grave Encounters, well, the they're like, oh, so this is an intelligent haunting, and then he turns to the camera <laughs> yeah. and explains.
2: Can you explain what an EMF meter?
1: Electric voice phenomenon, or whatever. Or
0: elect- that one's electromagnetic. Magnetic. Yeah. Frequency. Uh, I think for me, I would I would choose some sort of haunted castle. Mm. Okay. And a, I would love to spend a night in a haunted castle. And That'd be cool and creepy. About. Because I feel like I mean I've been to like, you know we've we've been to Penhurst experience. Mm-hmm as a haunt not like a a ghost tour really a little Mm -hmm. bit of stuff we did and you know we've been to eastern state and um I feel like those would definitely be interesting to do a ghost hunting type thing in but I feel like you are going to come up against a lot of that like potentially really bad juju yeah
1: Um, well well, yeah because you remember the Quaker the Quaker building was talked about I believe it was as being like incredibly scary to go into
0: yeah they said they don't use that building um supposedly there is something malevolent that resides in there and it's just like no thank you but like a council if- you might what you mm-hmm. see most of the lady of the manor sure <laughs> <I'll talk laughs> <with that. laughs> i'm down
2: yeah yeah i i would never Never do a hospital, a prison, a psychiatric facility. Yeah,
1: not only mean because the ghosts who died of like mostly natural causes.
2: Right, not only because you know it's something malevolent could be there, but just like even if it's not, it's so sad. It is just so yeah. terribly sad that these people suffered in life, and now if you believe in ghosts can't rest they are still right. suffering and I I just no nah, I'm good I'm good <laughs> <laughs> Our pass.
0: it's it's tough it's tough how about you Ms. Mel
1: um it's interesting because part of me is like you know it's like sort of a childhood thing to go ghost hunting at Penhurst and that sort of thing um but again like that I think would feel so sad and you know like you know, just like having gone there, I've gone there for a a tour that was actually very, very informative and cool where we walked around the grounds and talked to like people who used to work there and like a um, a, a guy who is like on the Penhurst council, who um, has a disability and was also talking about like Americans, you know, like various sort of like, you know, citizens who have disabilities and that sort of thing. And like the work being done. And that was all very interesting. So I guess like in that sense, it would be interesting just to sort of like, not do the sensationalized version, but you know, like sort of like, okay, what's the actual history here? Like who has stories here? And that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd also fuck with some colonial ghosts because <laughs> I think it'd be kind of fun. Just hang um, out in Boston
2: for a while.
1: Yeah, in Boston or like old <laughs> like, like somewhere Lake. in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, like, somewhere in Salem. I feel like when we were in Salem, there wasn't a ton of, like, haunted stuff. Um, well, we,
0: we couldn't quite, like, work in a ghost tour. Yeah. As yeah. so wondering... I said, we
2: were, we were kind of hitting all the touristy stuff kind of this time around.
0: Not um, that ghost hunting isn't, like,
2: touristy. But... Right. But, like, like, we were saying, the, like,
0: tours were all, like, 30 people deep
1: yeah
0: well that's not you're not gonna feel anything Mm
1: -hmm. well i will say when i went on a ghost tour in gettysburg it was like probably 30 people and like there was some like ghost hunting paranormal group also on the tour which i found kind of funny um but my mom like we were standing on a farm and my mom like you know i saw the ghost tour people like suddenly get interested in something and start taking pictures and my mom said later she was like yeah I saw over on the barn like you know a light on and like it was the sort of um like an awning or an entrance or something and we got closer and she both those things weren't there anymore like so she like thought she was seeing kind of like how it used to be Mm -hmm. um And she saw this all while this guy was like talking about stuff and like the ghost crew apparently also saw it too or saw something because they started taking pictures and stuff because she was like yeah like them doing that cued me into like oh like like what what are they seeing like what's going on over there and then she realized like oh like what happened to the light and the the thing and whatever so it's possible
0: hey anything's possible yeah
1: so
2: yeah, we did a, a ghost tour in Gettysburg the one time I was there and we didn't have any experiences. But of course, the like people were like, like, yeah, and while we were standing in this basement, this lady felt like something was holding her hand and all of that other stuff. So yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, I think that's going to be a wrap on Chesterbrook or rather on uh, episode 108, Grave Encounters. And uh, if you have any thoughts or um, additional information about asylums or ghost adventures (laughs) or spiritualism, or you just want to, you know, talk about the movie, please reach out and do so. There's lots of ways you can miss Mel, how can they get in touch with us they can email us at splatterchatter669
1: at gmail.com you can tweet at us at splatterchatter666 minus all the vowels um but just search us and we'll pop right up you can send an ask on tumblr at splatterchatter.tumblr.com you can leave a comment on the blog at the blog's new name <laughs> I just learned
0: the old one and then you like changed it on me. It wasn't me. We had to the domain had to change because of things.
2: Reasons.
0: Reasons. And I also never remember what it is now. It is splatterchatterpodcast.com
1: There you go. So head over there and leave a comment.
0: Yes, please do. Um, And We will have a fun, fantastic conversation with you about all things Grave Encounters and horror in general. But for now, we are done talking about all of that. This is the end of episode 108. When we next return for episode 109 in May, we will be covering the uh, seminal high school horror movie, Brian De Palma's Carrie from 1976 oh. Just in time for prom season Just baby time for prom
2: oh carrie
0: oh carrie she, she had every right
2: honestly i support women's rights <laughs> it's and one I of those uh, wrongs I, she, did nothing wrong. <laughs> she did nothing wrong it's one wrong. of those um good for her it.
0: movies it's maybe the ultimate good for her yeah um, and we're going to get into that we're going to do a little bit of book versus film adaptation of course there's also the lesser known adaptation there's the musical it's going to be fun all things carry next month be on the lookout for that we want to say thank you to miss colleen for joining us thank
2: you for having me i hope you loved all of the information that i provided about ice picks and how they should not be
0: inserted into your brain yeah that was you brought a lot of really great info to the episode and a lot of good insight we're always happy to have you we're all always grateful that you um run the tumblr for us and uh you know we're gonna have to find some time to work you in again soon for the five timers club
2: jacket yeah. man jackets man i'll do a lot of stuff for a jacket
0: <laughs> all right but for now we want to remind everybody to make sure they keep up the creep and for now we're gonna say au revoir, adios